America. I am more offended that they were eating GO, GMO potatoes and seed oils myself. Welcome back, beautiful and amazing human beings. My name is Zukadowski here of the best politicalshow.com as of course we are going to be going live for the next two hours with some very interesting human beings here in studio as of course we have a lot of crazy news to talk about as we just got the breaking news that President Joe Biden will be acting decisively and committing U.S. military action in the Middle East. What's going on here? As, of course, a lot of people are calling for a full all-out war with Iran. Well, time will only tell, but we're going to be breaking down all the latest developments, as, of course, there's a lot of news with Taylor Swift, with Donald Trump, with Israel, with Palestine. So many things to talk about. We're going to be talking about all of that, plus the latest news in a conversation that you guys actively get to participate in and one way to participate in it is by signing up to lukeunfiltered.com you could sign up for just less than eight dollars a month and you get the ability to actually call in to the show as well as almost daily video reports only available for you as members another way to participate is of course through mysuperchat.com with your super chats actually showing up on screen and of course we will be reading any and all rumble rants youtube super chats as of course they are critically important towards sustaining and growing this independent media operation this as of course we have some very interesting people in studio that we're going to get to in just a little bit, especially after their cameras are framed right by Clint here, who is going to make sure that uh, they are framed correctly. So please make sure to share this broadcast with your friends and family members as this conversation is going to be very interesting for the next two hours. Joining us for this conversation is the one, the only, Ian Crossland. Ian, who are you for the people who might not know you? I'm the craziest motherfucker on the planet. What's happening? Family-friendly show here. Great mother lover. Uh, I, if you don't know me already, which you should, I'm, I'm one... Okay, it's family-friendly. I'm a co-host of TimCast IRL Monday through Friday on YouTube at 8 o'clock p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I'm a musician. I'm an actor. I'm a co-founder of Minds.com. I'm all over the place. Good to see you. Good to be here, Luke. Seamus snuck in here literally at like 1 o'clock in the morning. Was it 1 o'clock in, in the morning? He literally broke in at 1 o'clock in the morning, yeah. and, I, and I see him sleeping on the couch here, and yeah. I'm like, yeah, I guess this guy's here. This guy, yeah. who are you? How would you introduce uh, my yourself? My name is Seamus Coughlin. I would introduce myself as Luke Rakowski's best friend and mentor who taught him everything <laughs> that he knows about running a podcast. I'm happy to be here so that the audience can get a bit of a picture of where Luke learned his craft. Yeah, your, your podcast on Rumble was was really uh, top-notch there. That's really, really yeah. just breakthrough stuff that uh, really was pioneering. <laughs> As of course, we're also. Why are you laughing? That's true. <laughs> All that's As of true. course, we're also at the at the rumble section of this broadcast. We're also going to be announcing our anti Beanie Man coali coalition. That's right. And describing how the well, Beanie Man has on. hurt all of us in many different ways. Right, I would right? never. I would never call it that. But the reality is, we did feel there was a need for a group therapy session about the ways that Tim has hurt our feelings yeah, over I've, the years. I've never looked at iron rods the same yeah, since. He, he just. Um, <laughs> He's really, really, really... He's a strange guy. Hurt our feelings. He, yeah, he, he, he has offended that. all of us. The and Daily we all Beast have grievances against them that we are, we are going to be organizing and speaking out against later on in this broadcast. Beanie Man, watch out. 
Clint's here too. We got uh, this is the fifth chair IRL roundtable. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Clint Russell, host of Liberty Lockdown, co-host of Tower Gang, co-host of the Best Political Show.com. Which, by the way, if you haven't already, you need to be picking up your phone, going to your favorite podcast or whatever that is, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get them, and searching Best Political Show, and then subscribing. Thank you very much. Hey everyone, this is Steph. We are Change. Ready to go. We already got the first super chat from I'm Not Your Buddy guy saying update from Commie Canada. It appears the Liberal and NDP are trying to fortify our elections with increased access to ballots, a.k.a. mail-in ballots. Huh. Very interesting, as of course we're also in a very tumultuous election cycle here inside of the United States that soon could be met with a larger geopolitical international conflict in the Middle East as we are getting the latest reports that President Joe Biden will be authorizing U.S. military action in the Middle East. Now, what exactly is this specific action? We do not know yet, but we do know that it is going to be in retaliation against the drone attack that happened in Jordan that took the lives of three U.S. service members, injuring 36 others. As, of course, we now will be awaiting to see the actions that are going to be committed as we're getting some reports that have not been verified that the targets will be Iranian proxies and possibly even Iran or its infrastructure itself, as there's some people claiming that there's going to be cyber attacks also being launched on the facilities of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Is this true? We do not know yet, as of course we all await to see the actions by the U.S. government, as of course U.S. Secretary of State Anthony Blinken had this to say just moments ago. I would argue that we have not seen a situation as as dangerous as the one we're facing now across the region since at least 1973. Yeah, and if you remember in 1973, there was a lot of different geopolitical upheaval during that time period, as of course the United States has been meddling in Middle Eastern politics for a very long time. And now, how are we going to be addressing this situation? Well, I don't know. What do you guys think is going to be happening here? I I don't like that. I'll tell you what I think is going to happen. I guess what I don't like, I don't like that one guy thinks he has the authority to command military presence. That's called a dictatorship. We don't live in that. So, Joe, give it to Congress. All right. Uh, Secondly, this use of the term kamikaze drone that they use, that's like making us think it's like Japan attacking Pearl Harbor. The kamikaze was the pilot. This was an unmade. This was a missile that hit the base. Who fired the missile? I want to know. And I don't want to rush into military conflict as a result of this. Yeah, you, you bring up a very good point, because as of yesterday, we were like, wait, who, who did this uh, attack? Who's responsible here? Do we have any evidence highlighting and suggesting that it was Iran? As, of course, many politicians already jumped the gun and they were like, we got to bomb Iran right away. Well, how do we know that this wasn't an accident? How, how do we know that this wasn't maybe Syria or Jordan or Israel or Turkey? Who knows what's really going on here? Because any and all possibilities should be, of course, fully investigated before launching another war. But uh, war's pretty profitable, so it looks like they're probably going to be launching another war or escalating a proxy conflict that already exists. Yeah, I think I think the escalation of a proxy conflict is probably more likely here, but I have no idea. I'm not going to sit here and make predictions. One thing I will say is, with all the things that you suggested, I mean, I, I have no idea about the possibility that it might be an accident, but also there is, of course, a very realistic possibility that it could be another group. We, we can't really trust the military-industrial complex. We know that they lie about these things all the time. Uh, time we've had leaked... In, information from whistleblowers uh, about 
you know, the claim that poison gas was being used uh, in Syria against citizens. I mean, so much of what we've been told at various intersections in the past about uh, various attacks that have occurred and why we should go to war as a result of them have been totally untruthful. So we need to remain really skeptical about this. Yeah, yeah. It's like they have a long uh, history of, of uh, you know, false flagging people and lying in yeah, order to yeah. get them into war. And even if it's not a false flag, right, it could they could just be lying about who did it. Exactly. Well, my, my frustration is there's never any evidence presented to the American people at all to demonstrate yeah. that Iran is actually responsible for these proxies. It's just a given. It's just a statement. It's an assertion. And and if you were to question it, I would imagine they'd go like, we have uh, intel reports and that's all you need to know. And it's like, well, that I'm sorry, but that's not all I need to know at this point. You mm -hmm. guys have, have given us intel reports that ended up in hindsight to be completely dead wrong. And yeah. I, I just wanted to point out real quick too, it was 1979 was the overthrow of the Shah. That was the Iranian revolution. I don't know what 1973 is. I think, I think that would be important to dig into to figure out like well, i i think that was when we were dealing with the uh the oil crisis and, and that was the yon kippur war in 19 there we go yeah. okay so that's the connection there he's connecting it between it was the arab israeli conflict yeah. during the cold war as of course israel already bombed syria in response to this as well according to some of the sources that we are seeing on the ground there as well so yeah, the Yom Kippur War was, uh, you know, known as also the Ramadan War in October of 1973, and it was a, it was a major conflict did, did with four Arab countries going against Israel. Did you just say that Israel bombed Syria in response to a missile hitting an American base I in have Jordan? That, I have that news report uh, lined up that we're going to be getting into here in just um, a little bit. But the, those are the initial reports that we're seeing, as of course, um, Israel attacks Syria a lot. And uh, even just uh, recently, even just a few days ago, they were uh, bombing uh, specific targets in, in inside of Syria, which is, is something that a lot of people point the finger at Israel for escalating tensions in the region and saying, uh, yeah, could we not... <laughs> Can well, please not do this. You know, there's also a factor that people need to consider here, which is that a very important piece of examining whether it's justified to go to war is not merely the injustice that's occurring or the way in which you've been attacked. It's a sober evaluation of your chances of success. And, when and what does that success mean? What exactly? What does that success mean and how likely are we to reach it? And when you look at how the United States has intervened in the Middle East over the past 20, 30, 40, even 50 years, we're constantly told we need to go to war over X, Y, and Z. And then when we do, we either don't reach our goal or we do reach something that could be said to be a goal, but we don't pull out at that time. We continue to stay over there. So I think we need to ask a very serious question here, which is if... If, 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 and this is a strong if, the argument can be made that the uh, injustice occurring here is uh, lasting, grave, and certain enough for us to go to war over it, what's the plan? I mean, what is our goal here? What do we want to achieve? And at what point will we be able to say, okay, we've done that, our troops can come home? We don't have a very good track record of demonstrating that we have that capacity. Troops coming home? Why? Yeah, yeah, when, exactly. of course, they could be out there uh, protecting the U.S. petrodollar and yep. other interests that are not really aligned to the American interests at all. Well, you know, How else is the, yeah. is the military-industrial complex going to get their pound of flesh? How else are they going to get their record profits here? And look, I mean, it's actually a very real question, especially when you consider inflation, when you look at what's been done to the U.S. dollar over the past four years. And when you examine the fact that we are closer than we have been in decades to losing our status as world reserve currency, there are actually really, really, really strong um, financial interests in pursuing war of this kind to preserve the, the value of the petrol dollar. So I'm not really optimistic. Uh, and I'm also not 
optimistic, of course, based on what I was saying earlier about what the outcome of a war with Iran would be. I mean, Iran has a GDP about seven times that of Iraq, and look what a quagmire that was. The idea that we, at this point as a nation, are strong enough to take on Iran when we are in so many ways culturally, economically, uh, and socially in a far worse position than we were in 2001 when we couldn't handle war with Iraq. Well, add to that the fact that we've we've sent so many of our munition stockpiles to Ukraine. Not yeah, to mention the yeah. fact that we've also spent 180, give or take, billion dollars in their defense, which was, I might add, a failure in large part because there was never any goal set. It was like, okay, we're going to, are we are we trying to topple Putin? Are we trying to just sustain the border of Ukraine? Because that ain't going to happen. That's already a done deal. So uh, I think that once again, we are we are already looking at an empire in decline that now is wanting to jump off the cliff entirely. And I'm telling you guys, a war with Iran amounts to that. Well, like, there's there's parasites that are feeding off of this country. And, and you know, I just, I just want to kind of clear up some of the misnomers that I think you guys brought up here. You guys are saying there's no clear goals. We made a mistake here. I don't think that's true at all. I think they're deliberate actions that they know the ramifications, they know the consequences of, and they're deliberately doing it. Mm. With Iraq, they knew that there was going to be a vacuum of power that was going to create massive sectarian violence and also at the same time empower Iran to be a very powerful player in the, in the region if they would have gotten rid of Saddam Hussein. Dick Cheney said this in the early 1990s. He knew what he was doing, and then when he was a part of the Bush administration, he committed to those plans. They got rid of Saddam Hussein. Iran became more powerful. ISIS grew out of that entire region, especially with all the Baptists that were kicked out of local government inside of Iraq. And then, bada bing, bada boom, you have a global jihad effort that uh, had terrorist attacks all over the Western world that, that of course, was stamped by the United States military-industrial complex of, uh, of approval that, that also gave them weapons, gave them intelligence, gave them communication, and gave them a crap ton of money, oil, and resources, and said, hey, have at it, as, of course, they were literally using almost identical CIA production-like propaganda films, essentially cutting people's heads off and then glorifying that to the rest of the world. And uh, again, everything that you saw there, I think, was deliberate. I think right now, the war in Iran is is a precursor to the war in Iraq. Iran is is in a more powerful situation because of that war in Iraq, and I and I think they've been they've been uh, on the target list for a very long time. And now the United States has an opportunity to carry that out, and I think they they might. It's oh. also it's also important just to add in the the fact that. A wartime president almost always gets reelected, and I think that Biden is on the ropes, and they're looking at it like, well, if we can actually have a full-blown war, especially if it can be announced in the six, seven-month lead-up to the election, that that might actually be his saving grace, which is uh, a dark thing to think about, but it's not outside the realm of possibility. I, I certainly agree with you. It's definitely not outside the realm of possibility, and to respond to what Luke said a moment ago, I think that's a really powerful point, because even though, as I was describing, we haven't actually met our foreign policy goals, I think there really is something to the lens of analysis analysis where you say the purpose of a system is the thing that it does and not the thing that we are told it will do or that it's supposed to do. And so when you look at the military industrial complex, you see that a small handful of people end up becoming very wealthy. Certain parts of the world end up being destabilized. People who we are more confident will represent American interests end up in power there. Uh, and, and also rebel groups that we fund end up becoming a serious enough threat for us to have to go to war with them later and thus continue the cycle. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for the idea that this is all 
all uh, intentional. But regardless, when they try to sell these wars to the American people, the suggestion is there's a good enough reason for us to go to war, and so we should just go to war. There's never an evaluation of a, whether there's a serious prospect of success, which I think at this point in American history, we really need to see because we don't have a whole lot of credibility with respect to whether we can win wars the way that we used to. I don't think there's a question being asked, which needs to be asked, which is, will the negative consequences of this war, will the evils that the war incur outweigh the evils that we're trying to prevent right now? Um, and are we actually going to end up doing more harm than good in the long run? Now, Part of the reason those questions aren't being asked is because if you do any critical examination of the last 40 years of U.S. foreign, foreign policy, you'll almost certainly end, end up answering those questions with, uh, yes, we will create a greater evil than we're seeking to stop, and no, we will not have any serious prospect of the kind of success that the foreign policy establishment is trying to convince us that they're seeking. Yeah, and, and a lot of this is, is deliberate. If you're a hammer, everything starts looking like a nail, because this is the, the objective here. And I, I really do believe there's a lot of these central controllers at the U.S. Pentagon being like, okay, we got to nail down these uh, nails. There's not a lot of nails out there. But if we set up the bases here, if we finance this rebel group here, if we bomb this country and overthrow their leaders here, we'll create a situation where we're going to have a lot of nails popping up out of nowhere. And we're going to have now an excuse to prolong and, of course, uh, worship at the altar, the military industrial complex that, of course, is going to be very happy that these wars are going to be continuing perpetually. And that's the war on terror that is also now turning into the war domestically on the people of the United States, specifically Trump supporters and other fellow Republicans yep, yep. that originally started this war. And I remember back all the way in, in 2003, 2004, 2005, 2006, screaming, saying, hey, the liberties that you are giving up right now, you will never get back and they will be used against you. The war on terror will be used against the war on the American people. And that's exactly what's happening right now. And it's terrifying to the degree that, that we were right because I didn't want to be right. It was an absolutely horrifying time and everything the Republicans gave us, it all came back and it kind of bit him in the butt. Well, right. And this is something that a lot of critics were pointing out in the early 2000s. But the idea of a war on terror, hold on a second, we're going to have a, a war on a concept or on a strategy. Uh, how on earth is that possible? And again, what goal are we seeking to achieve? End terrorism everywhere? Well, the United States is going to end every form of terrorism all across the world. And of course, now they refer to anyone who disagrees with them politically as a terrorist. I had a, uh, a follower of mine, his name's Dan Holloway, asked me last night because I was saying we need to withdraw our troops from the 700 plus bases that we have all over the world. And, and he said, well, Clint, how are we to defend the, the shipping lanes? Hmm. And my response to him was, well, first off, these are largely private companies that are ferrying goods all over the planet. Why should it be that the American taxpayer must bear the, the cost for the protection of all of the entire global economy? Like in, in what world does that make sense? Right. It's a fascinating point. Yeah. But then, two, why could they not, given that they have extra, extraordinarily uh, profitable goods that they're trying to ship all over the world? Why could they not defend themselves? Why could they not hire either private, you know, kind of mercenary type forces or have handoff agreements from the other nations, militaries, or at least their navies, uh, as they pass through that territory, basically handoff agreements from, from government to government. Like there's lots of ways in which this can, this can be remedied without the American taxpayer being on the line. But the biggest reason that we need to do it 
is that because you have American servicemen that are are in char- are in charged with pr- defending the entire global trading system, that means that you you are constantly putting them in jeopardy. And if any of them ever ever perish untimely, it ultimately amounts to casus belli, where you can you can then justifiably go to war. It's just an incredibly dangerous uh, paradigm to exist in. I, I think that you're right, and I don't know that I'm, I'm totally sold on the idea. I'd have to think about it a little more, but one argument I can think of immediately in favor of your position of having private security forces that are hired by these multinational corporations that are profiting off of the, the security doing that work rather than the military is because the Pentagon regularly fails audits on where money that is supposed to be spent on the military is going. Uh, it's very likely the case, I would say even certainly the case, that we could have a military just as effective as it currently is for a fraction of the cost. And when you have a private company that's actually required to foot the bill for the securing of those shipping lanes, they're going to do it far more efficiently. Whereas our, our government, the military, they will just throw money at things. And they'll throw money at things, A, in ways that are extremely inefficient because they have no bid contracts, and also in ways that suggest there could be some money laundering going on, right? So $50 for a bolt that you can get for 25 cents. You go, all right, is this a bribe? Is this somebody scratching somebody's back? Or are they just trying to launder that money because they don't want us to know about secret projects that they're actually engaged in in yeah. other countries that think, they aren't telling the American people about and they need to secure funding for it some other way? Yeah, Halliburton, the, the, yeah. the private company that's just hiring security. I'm not saying you're not going to have foul play in the private market because no one ever commits fraud. I'm just right. saying there aren't the proper incentives for that kind of fraud to exist at that scale. It's it's not even a private market. It's a socialized market where a lot of these contracts are no-bid contracts. They're yep. guaranteed no matter yep. what. There's no competition. And what do we have to show for the trillions of dollars that we spent on the war on terror? Well, think, we, we were fighting guys wearing freaking flip-flops and we're spending trillions of dollars and then there's more guys angry at us with flip-flops. Like, <laughs> like, and now they're more organized. And now they have our weapons. And now they have our helicopters and our Humvees. We, we could have done so much with that money. We could have explored space. We could have explored the seas. We could have developed and 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 had so many amazing technological advancements, but so much theft, so much robbery has happened, and we have nothing to, to well, show yeah, for or it. Or we could have well, just paid off the debt. Yeah. Well, <laughs> here's here's a question I'd like to ask all of you, because I'm really curious about what your answer would be. This is something I wrestle with. And by the way, I just want to make it perfectly clear that the argument I'm about to make, I'm not suggesting that if the, the wars are actually good for the economy, that that means they're moral. I would never make an argument like that. But just as a thought experiment, out of curiosity, if we know that the petrol dollar is largely propped up by American intervention in foreign companies, if we did pull out, could you not make the argument that the petrol dollar would not have as much value and all of the money that we spent on the wars would not really have done much good for us domestically because the dollar wouldn't have as much purchasing power? I, I would disagree with that because there's other kind of uh, policies that you could implement, policies that include trade, that include mm-hmm. cooperation, that include working together, building together, and doing things like the Belt and Road initiatives that I think are more advantageous for the world, even if you don't do them from a predatory con- mm-hmm. like colonial way you could still do them in a way like hey they have resources that we want we have things that they want let's actually trade here and have prosperous trade sure. that benefits everyone and i think if you kind of move away from a system that is based on bombing and destroying people yeah and and move towards a system where you trade with each other that that's that's a system that i think would work way add, better than everyone let me else. add to luke's point there because it's it's there's two reasons that the rest of the world trades in the u.s dollar one is because we'll blow you up if you don't. <laughs> Two is because it's one of the most stable currencies with the, the largest liquidity on earth. Mm-hmm. It, it certainly has the most liquidity on earth. That is the primary reason, though. Mm-hmm. So 
if we can actually maintain the purchasing power of the dollar, that still gives the same incentive for these foreign countries to trade in the dollar, which means that you don't have a run on the dollar, which cr yeah. creates a, a spiraling inflation. So by the way, again, uh, just to be clear, so there's no misunderstanding, like even if the dollar would would collapse, right, if we weren't doing horrible things overseas, I don't, I still don't think that's a justification to do horrible things overseas. I don't think it will overseas. either. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But my question is, when you say we could maintain the value of the dollar, I'm just wondering, like, how do we do that? Is it not the case that the dollar is artificially propped up by this intervention? It, it and, we would, it, and therefore, it would lose value, and we would have to figure out some other method of trade or the, way of retaining our value. The, the primary reason that, that it is... Uh it's adopted though is because they fear us mm -hmm. but but there's also the 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 flip side of this that it has it's the most heavily utilized currency mm -hmm. all of their contracts are already drafted with US dollar being the exchange uh, metric so mm -hmm. for them to transition off which they have begun to do yeah that that takes years but the reason it's being expedited is because we're now willing to rob a central bank like Russia to the tune of 300 billion dollars because they invaded Ukraine yep all of these other nations, the BRICS alliance, which has now expanded to be nine or ten nations deep, maybe even more, uh, they are now migrating more aggressively away from us because we are demonstrating that we are not some bene benevolent dictator or policeman of the world. In fact, we are quite malevolent. And so, I think that you can't have it both ways. Like you have to, you have to realize the reason that they've been trading in the U.S. dollar is one because of fear, but two, but two because we we actually maintained our our financial well-being as a nation to some extent yeah now we've completely done away with that the 10 trillion dollars of spending in a two-year period of deficit spending in a two-year period it's like okay we don't have a choice we have to get off this yeah. we have yeah. to trade in something and, else. and if you look at what the BRICS nations are doing specifically with with china with russia with brazil and many other countries joining that larger alliance it's it's almost inevitable now until they're going to flip the script on the u.s dollar and and we have been doing this kind of care and stick kind of foreign policy, but but there's no carrot. There's only a stick. I, I exactly. think using a carrot would be more advantageous for the American country and its interests that, of course, could largely cooperate with other people in other countries in a way that doesn't include, uh, you know, bombing the crap out of people and money laundering well, to the military-industrial complex and indebting this country to the point where the dollar's losing purchasing power anyway. If you look at what you could buy with the dollar even just a few years ago, there's a big difference than what you could buy with it now. Yeah. Now, I know it. And, and then you go back to the 60s. My goodness, you go back to the early 1900s. The dollar was more valuable. And this is why it's being just destroyed deliberately by these foreign wars, by these incursions, by this debt, by this Federal Reserve banking system mm -hmm. that relies on war. And, and it's coming to an end. And because of that, there's going to be a lot of pain. There's going to be a lot of suffering, not just for us, not just for the American people, but all the other countries that use the dollar. And this is why the BRICS nations coming and and becoming such a formidable threat, it's now, I, I think, a time to use that carrot, use cooperation. The old model has already been tried so long, and, and we're losing on it. The, the dollar's losing value. We're losing our money. We're being indebted, and, and we have nothing to show for it except for uh, a bunch of Taliban that are not really happy walking around with night vision goggles that we paid for. Mm. I think the carrot you're talking about would be the to enhance the value of our exports. And at this point, you say a lot of our exports are now are imports. We've given it to the Chinese to build yeah. our steel, to, to drill, to get our whatever. But uh, I think so. an example would be like if we start totally revolutionizing our graphene production industry and the world wants it. The world's like, I want to buy graphene. You're like, well, you can. It's 20 bucks an ounce. Or you can buy American graphene for 5 bucks an ounce. 
if you buy it in U.S. dollars. And the thing is, if you're going to buy graphene, American graphene from the Russians, they might be able to sell it to you in rubles or whatever the hell currency they're using unless we enforce that with force. But I think at some point we're just going to have to be like, you want it homegrown, you want the best graphene on earth, you want it the cheapest, you're going to buy it from us. We got some uh, super chats here that we should get into really quickly. One from Salty Crazy Nick saying, I think the parties have flipped. The Republicans back then are now the Democrats. Uh, Yeah, I could kind of uh, understand that. We got another one from Carlos Estorain saying, Seamus, give us your hot take on fiducia supplicants. Yeah, I don't know what that is. So this is um, this is something a lot of uh, people are talking about within the the, the Catholic Church and Catholic circles. Basically, we don't have to get into it now. We yeah, can get into it later if I'm, you want. I'm if happy it's to along. get into it later. Yeah, I think it's a it's a something that I'm surprised I haven't been asked about yet. Uh, I read a good chunk of the document. It's we'll, we'll get into it later because there's yeah. a lot. I, to I know say. Ian likes to talk about religion too, and I uh, think that conversation b- could be better, uh, we, better, better organized for rumble before we yeah, transition to the agree. next topic. I just wanted no, to, there's no next topic. I want to add on to what we okay, were talking about here specifically <laughs> as of course, we have this horrible take by the daily mail who wrote this article titled on their front page, weak, distracted Biden has let Iran's mullahs get away with murder and now risks an unholy war. Andrew Neal spells out how the appeasing president must strike back with a vengeance to save his own skin and avert disaster. Are you freaking kidding me? You're pretty much saying he needs to cause the disaster so he has to deal with and stop this disaster. What are you talking about here? Tell me you're being paid by the military-industrial complex without telling me you're being paid by the military-industrial complex. As, of course, this psychological gas lighting here is a lame attempt to try to justify warmongering, which yeah. the United States well, Empire has had way too much of. That headline was written by Boeing, I swear. Yeah, it had well, to be. It, yeah. and this is the thing that they'll do you know, with presidents like uh, Biden or Obama. They will they'll paint them out to be these peaceniks who are gutting the U.S. military. In reality, they are doing things that are extremely damaging to the United States military, but they're certainly not gutting it. Uh, and so, if if I heard that properly, it sounds like they're suggesting that Joe Biden has just not been bloodthirsty enough. He hasn't been as focused on uh, foreign policy. I mean, Joe Biden has always been a hawk. He was pushing for a war in Iraq all the way back in 1997. This is not some hippie peacenik who wants to dismantle the the military. Military, no. He's never uh, been the anti-war left guy. Ever, but ever, he's ever. a puppet. He's a puppet politician that literally just takes orders from the special interests guys. Yeah, 100%. well, and this, is the, this is also so fascinating to me too. Like everyone knows that Joe Biden isn't really the president on some level. I don't mean that in the sense that the election was stolen and it doesn't belong to him. I just mean the man is seen. He's just clearly not operating at a cognitive capacity where he's capable of being president. We know that there are people behind the scenes pulling the strings. So the idea that like, oh, Biden just wasn't paying attention to Iran and that's what happened. I mean, the reality is regardless of why this happened or how this happened, it had nothing to do with Joe Biden not paying attention. Yeah, And and, and then this is is a scary opportunity because they could be using the fact that he's old and senile to push through some of the most unpopular policies, the biggest one of which that they've been dreaming about is this war in Iran. He is the puppet president. They could be using him as this perfect vessel to push all the things that they couldn't get away with before. 
now you have that guy that's going to be out of there because his mind's not there in the first place. Many, Sorry, Clint, you had yeah, something to say. Yeah, I mean, many people have, have been concerned that the Great Reset will, because it was delayed because of Trump's presidency ever so slightly, that it's now being expedited. And I, I could definitely see a world in which a, a larger global war, if not a world war, uh, is necessary to to get them back on their Agenda 2030 plan. Uh, but the, the other bigger point I wanted to make is I already gave you the two two reasons that the U.S. dollar is utilized in global trade. Mm -hmm. the, the third reason is that America, for the longest time, has been not just the apex, but one of the only countries that actually recognizes property rights, has a judicial system that will point. actually uh, adjudicate contracts between or conflicts between businesses all over the world. Uh, we were we were looked at like that was part of the reason we were the shining city on the hill. Property rights. I know it's like very boring and, and it's like a term that most people don't talk about. But the reason that we are no longer looked at as like a safe trading harbor is primarily because our court systems also don't reflect our values. It's it's very, very dangerous. That's we, a good point. No, that's a good point. I, I totally forgotten about that, but that is a huge part of it, the way the United States emphasizes the value of private property. Yeah. Um, and, and this is also something that factors into uh, foreign investors wanting to purchase up our land. Look, I'm not going to sit here and, and tell you that it's not something we should be concerned about. We should be very concerned about it. And I really don't like the idea of, uh, you know, people from foreign nations, particularly communist nations, purchasing up land in the United States. But you got to consider that for a lot of these people in China, the incentive structure is such that the only thing they can invest in is property in the United States because the CCP will just steal their money. And I think exactly. it's very insidious because then what happens once they own that land in the United States? Does the CCP not arguably end up having some claim to that? And uh, so, yeah, extremely frightening, extremely frightening. And it's one of these situations where because we place such a strong emphasis on property rights and trade and amassed so much wealth doing that, we ended up having this massive target on our back. And that's why countries like China in large part want to purchase up so much of our land, because uh, to some extent, even though our country is clearly in decline, we're in a better shape than they are with respect to how our economy is operating at this moment. And so they're going to do everything they can to get their hands on well, they, it. Yeah, they their real estate market's not doing too good right now. Yeah. Sorry, Ever, Ian, you had something to say? Well, megacorps, you talk about foreign entities owning land. That's countries and corporations. Like BlackRock maybe has a headquarters in the United States, but it's foreign to our nationalism. It, it has, has no American values at heart. It's a multinational. Yeah, and they're big, not just little corporations. Like if you want to make an LLC to own your, your house, you can do that as a pastor or whatever. There's ways to have little corporations own property, but megacorps have their own structure and their own interests well, like nations. Think about think about how sick this is too. Basically, the, the reason that China is able to export so many goods to America is because our dollar is is decreasing in or decreasing in value. So so essentially they sell their goods into a currency that is ultimately fiat worthless, but then they exchange it into hard assets That's by right. buying up our land. So, right. so we are printing our own demise. People need to understand, like, yeah. you have to connect three dots here, so it's hard for people to do it, but that's exactly what's happening. And that's why the, val the, the value of the dollar is just decreasing. And that's why every time you go to the supermarket or the store and what used to cost you $20 is now... $30, so $35. They'll give us steel, we'll give them U.S. dollars, then they'll give us back the U.S. dollars for land. So we're basically exactly. selling them land for steel at that point. We're giving yeah. away, we would be authorizing yeah. the, the disbursement of yeah. land. Not, not just that, but we're also selling our future. Because yes. this is debt that it, we haven't even paid it off. So we are we are burying ourselves in an unpayable debt. They are there and then exchanging that debt for hard assets. 
I mean, if I was the Chinese, I would be doing exactly what they're doing. Um, so it's up to the American people and to the American government to, to eventually realize it. But to, to Luke's point, I'm not at all certain that they don't realize it, that they have just they have just sold the American people out because they no longer represent us. They don't have any concern for the American people. Well, the well, empire cycle is kind of reaching its uh, crescendo point for uh, America. And I think a lot of globalists and internationalists are realizing that. And we have to give up this kind of notion that they care about America or that their central controllers or the politicians are there for us they're not yeah and they never have been and you need to realize this because they're selling you out the the titanic ship is sinking they're stealing all the silverware they're stealing all the spoons you heard that correctly they're stealing <laughs> what they can and then you're stuck on the bottom literally being locked away going down with the ship because you don't even have a choice or an option to dive in and out of this empire that is sadly going in decline with individuals like john bolton who of course took to the internet today and said quote if there was a moment to show american determination yeah right and reestablish deterrence against iran it is now the only effective way to hold iran accountable is to strike them directly to impose the pain necessary to prevent any further belligerence we can no longer permit a rogue iran biden must ask when act. do people like when do people just stop listening to these idiots but a at lot what, of people have. Point, I, I agree that a lot of people have, but clearly someone still is, right? Well, I got good news for you. It, that that tweet from Bolton has like a hundred something likes. Thank so, goodness. So, yeah. <laughs> I can I can one hundred thirty two likes. Yeah, I can tweet out like pee pee poo poo, and I do four hundred likes. Yeah, so, yeah. like, the, you should the, do it right now and see if you beat John Bolton. <laughs> you should retweet John Bolton saying pee pee poo poo and see if you get more likes <laughs> than his tweet. See if you I'm can doing ratio that, him. I'm doing that right. See if right, you can right, ratio him with pee pee poo pee poo. I, I, and the, and the idea the, that remember when I said time. I taught Luke everything he knows? We're going to see I'm how this does. The idea that, that attacking a country directly will make them stop aggressing is the most insane. Yeah. Like, if you're not going to completely obliterate your enemy in one shot, they're not going to stop. No, they're going to redouble their efforts. Well, I, and I think, I think, Ian, that's an interesting point. Even though I don't necessarily agree that you would want to wipe them out in one shot, the reality is we have demonstrated in the past that if you fight us for a while, we'll leave. So we strike these countries and they go, okay, well, here's the pattern we've seen in the past. You fight the United States for a while and they leave. So when we strike first, yeah, they, they probably are just going to go, okay, we're, we're going to retaliate for a while and then they're going to get out of here. It's going to be interesting to see the actions that they take in Syria against the proxy groups or if it's going to be against Iran, as, of course, John Kirby. He's a part of the National Security Council. He came out and said that, quote, we're not looking for war with Iran, but we also have another Pentagon spokesperson coming out and saying, quote, we know Iran was behind these drone strikes that took out three American soldiers. Now, my question question is how do you know who's what's, we yeah what's I don't the know evidence anything. what do you got here what what, what 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 evidence and proof do you have here to convince us that we should be spending more money destroying more lives on this world what are how you an, that, uh, are you an iranian apologist luke you're gonna ask <laughs> questions yeah. how dare you that's yeah, right how, how dare we ask for for evidence of what's going on here this as of course lloyd austin is going to be meeting with biden in the situation room and biden is set to announce his actions in just a few moments from now as of course it's still insisting that there's not going to be a bigger war here, but 
how else are you going to do that by by you know at- attacking Iran? As of course, a lot of people are saying that this is exactly what's going to be happening here. As of course, according to Forbes, Iran is denying any involvement in this drone attack. And the details that we are finding out what happened here was that there was allegedly drone confusion as the United States was flying drones. And at the same time that an American drone was landing, they sent this drone that, of course, attacked American soldiers on the ground there with this confusion, the uh, the air defense didn't work, and therefore this drone was able to bypass U.S. air defense systems in the region. Oh, and air defense the lives. didn't work. Oh, what an excuse! Yeah, where where have I heard air defense systems failing? That's what for happened in Israel on October seventh. Yeah, 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 it's also happened in New York and and you know the United oh, yeah. States they, in uh, two thousand and one. Four hours, the the best air defense in the world just stood okay. down. Yeah, one missile is not. A reason to go to war with a country. One missile. Well, that, especially a drone that you can't even identify that, where it came from. And if you want to make that claim, you better prove it, bro. Like, if you're going to go to war with a nation that, like, is a serious foe, you better have hardcore evidence and you better deliver it to the American people first. They don't intend to do so. That, I don't believe they will. That's why you have a Congress to talk it over. And it's also not just Iran. It's all their allies. Like, yeah. the entire everyone that would support Iran would be this would be like this is it man. well the, the Shiite Muslim world specifically yep. that's being very much influenced by Iran would would be involved well, here. Th- this and is that's, the point that's a lot of people this that's is the bigger angle. point that yeah. I wanted to make is yeah. that all of these nations have been have been waiting for the moment for America no, to no longer be in a in a powerful position to maintain whatever dynamics that they want so you have Russia that moves on Ukraine totally against the America um, American demand right and then you have the the Palestinian Gaza war. Now you have the potential for for China moving on Taiwan. Now you have these strikes that are coming from uh, the Houthis in Yemen. You have Hezbollah in, in, or excuse me, what did I say? Yemen. You did say Yemen. Sorry, yeah. I'm getting all these nations combined. You get the point. There's a ton of different uh, you know venues for which a, a major war can happen. So so what is Iran thinking to itself? Well, we don't have to play with you guys anymore. Iran is already fairly well aligned with with Russia. <clears throat> Russia and the Chinese are getting along pretty well. So all of these nations are saying there's too many venues. You can't possibly contain all of them. You couldn't even win a proxy war with the Ukrainians against yep. Russia. You're done. Just just back off. We're, we're not listening to you anymore. And that's the reality that the American people need to own up to and, and realize as well is that they don't fear us and they shouldn't because ultimately the only thing we can threaten them with would be nukes. And many of them have nukes too. Well, not even that. It's, it's, it's fighting them and then leaving all of our weapons and, and trucks and Humvees and helicopters them for, for right. them to take it afterwards. That's right. Just like they did in Afghanistan. Steph, you have something to say? I just have a question. So what's the incentive for these foreign um, countries to want to like have war with the United States? Yeah. Only to get the United States to step in its own trap at this point, to get it to, to stumble forward into something they can't win. Well, this is what the Daily Mail is, is arguing. We have a Daily Mail article that reads, How Drone Strike Death of U.S. Soldiers in Jordan Takes Us a Step Closer to World War III, as Trump has warned, and Biden's response could further drag in Britain and play directly into the hands of Putin. Well, this is, this is an important question from Steph uh, that I can definitely answer. The, the reason that Russia wants to see us fall is because we've now sanctioned them into oblivion. We've armed uh, a neighbor on their border. We've 
definitely ran psychological operations against the Russian people. We've attempted to to coup Putin. We've attempted to arm his enemies. Same thing with Iran. They've been sanctioned into oblivion for decades and decades and decades at the behest of Israel. Uh, the Chinese hate us because we've uh, obviously Trump with the, the trade embargoes and, and the tariffs. Uh, also, I mean, constant belligerence when it comes to how we talk about their political system. They're, all of these nations have a ton of, of you know, imperative or necessity to see us at least if not fall at least withdraw and stop and stop abusing them that's the reality that's that's the reason that they hate us and it, and, and they don't ha they have a very valid reason to look at us and go like these guys have made our lives hell they've constantly i mean we overthrew the leadership in iran in the 1970s and, and we've ne not left them alone since why would they not want to see us fall you know as of course we were also financing the iraq and iran war backing both sides hoping that they would destroy each other only of course arming them and giving them also uh, chemical and biological weapons uh before as well so lots of history there especially with the overthrow uh of their democratically elected leadership in the in the 70s that was that was a huge deal they, the there's still there's still a lot of anger surrounding that as of course like like why were we were we doing all of this why does this make sense why are we paying for that price now again israel also is involved here israel has a lot of interests dividing the sunni and shia muslim world because if the muslim world is not united they of course are fighting each other and they're not fighting israel as israel didn't wait and they actually launched a strike on syria in damascus right after this drone attack as of course we have this article by the ap you were asking ian if if israel just attacked syria yeah they've been attacking syria uh, and hitting them for a very long time and launching really uh, very uh, dangerous strikes against them as, of course, Syria is very close to their border and Syria has been in a lot of civil strife as, of course, the United States financed a whole bunch of Sunni Wahhabists in the region and it was Iran that predominantly, with their Shiite rebel groups, went after the Sunnis and took down al-Nusra, took down al-Qaeda, took down ISIS in the region that was predominantly financed and propped up by the United States. So these are hardened fighters, fighters that, of course, were fighting against radical Islamists, and they represent the Shiite faction of the Muslim world that now we are going to be going after. Well, I think everybody, like, I'm curious what you guys thought about my rant a second ago, because, mm -hmm. I mean, are we, like, do, does anybody in this room actually think that the American military can defend Taiwan, Israel, uh, I mean, Ukraine, like, like, there's, there's, yeah, Ukraine, uh, all of Europe. NATO, uh, the and also the the shipping lanes. Can we take out uh, Yemen and uh, <laughs> like tell me, like, yeah, does that I, even I, look, seem remotely feasible? All right, so I'm a cartoonist, not a foreign policy expert. All right, yeah. but that just seems incredibly unlikely to me, especially when you look at enlistment numbers. We are starving for soldiers right now. How are you supposed to fight all those different wars? Now, uh, I think that foreign policy is also an extremely complicated thing that it's difficult to be able to predict or see down the road with respect to what's going to occur. But I will say this, I mean, it might be possible for us to just have such advanced military technology that we're able to hold our enemies off uh, or win some of these conflicts. But it, it does seem unlikely to me, especially when you consider where the United States is right now. One thing I can say is if we uh, do or did have a hope of being able to 
accomplish such a monumental task that would have more likely been several years ago before we decided to uh, print and spend and borrow trillions of dollars in the single largest redistribution of wealth that has occurred in all of human history, where we gave basically every dollar of that ballot or uh, the largest uh, subsection of it to the wealthiest people in this country. But we can't even we can't guard our own borders. Uh, How are you going to guard everything else? No, no, it's not that we can't guard our borders. It's that we do not want to. It's that we do not want to. And we are actually going out of our way to prevent local authorities from doing their job. You know, when you have a federal government, the, the purpose of a higher authority on the chain of command is for them to be able to step in when there is something the lower authority is incapable of taking care of themselves. When it comes to protecting their own borders, Texas is doing everything they can to be able to do so. And rather than the federal government stepping in because they saw that Texas was failing in some way and saying, we can assist you with that, they've actually sabotaged their efforts. That's really twisted. And what it goes to show is that what they want is for our border to uh, be non completely agree. Um, and, and so I'll just say this, and uh, I'll add this to sort of our conversation on the decline that's taken place here. And this is something that uh, I, I actually predicted in a cartoon that I wrote. But this is not some profound point. Anyone who knows anything about econ would have predicted Are, are you this. working for the but, Simpsons? Yeah, I, no, <laughs> no. But um, look, they printed trillions or, or they, they, they leveraged about like 400 billion or they printed something like $400 billion. The Federal Reserve gave out about $400 billion so they could leverage $4.2 trillion in low interest loans to give out to the largest corporations in the country. And so what ended up happening? Well, they they, they gave something like $328 billion um, to small businesses, but the organization charged with giving that money out gives uh, something like one-tenth of that out over the course of a year. And now they had to give 10 times that normal sum out over the course of several weeks. So there was a massive amount of fraud, right? And, and small businesses stood to lose far, far more by multiples than was actually being given to them. So these small businesses collapse. And then, oh my gosh, all the largest businesses in the country have all of this free money because they were given low interest loans. And what do they do? They start purchasing up the assets of these small businesses that used to be owned by ordinary American citizens and are now owned by the oligarchs. And on top of that, to add insult to injury, what the government ended up doing with quite a lot of those loans is saying, we're not even going to expect you to pay it back. The like almost all of them actually yeah uh, they were just they were just uh, ended up being grants essentially but yep. but then then what do they do they turn around and they lament income inequality in this country That's and right. they say they say oh the gap between the poor and the rich has never been higher why why mm-hmm. has it never been higher because you shut down all the small companies for mm-hmm. years and mm-hmm. then they go out of business and you go how could this happen this is a failure of capitalism mm-hmm. oh you mean when you use totalitarianism to That's shut right. down all the small businesses That's right I mean, these people are such scumbag liars, I swear to God. Exactly. And so uh, that's just a roundabout way of saying that when that's how your government treats the productive element within your economy, right. why would people want to use your currency? Yeah. Well, and, and I think the, the other reason that many of these, these nations are showing courage all mm-hmm. in tandem is because they realize that our dollar situation is very tenuous. And if if yep. we end up trying to fight a multi-front world war, China, like who are the enemies going to be? They're going to be the nations that are sitting on our treasuries mm-hmm. and they're going to say, well, we ain't rolling these over. That's we're right. going to we're going to bury the dollar so that if you try and actually go to war with us, you're you'll have no purchasing power to equip yourself with and your stockpiles low and your recruitment numbers are in the gutter. You can't win this war against us. That's what they're saying. This is the reason they're acting so brazen. The American people don't want to look at it. The political class won't tell you the truth about it. But that is the case. If you actually understand economics, you understand the whole reason that they 
they have courage out of the blue all of a sudden is because they know exactly what I'm saying is the case. Mm -hmm. And and I think they also know that even if the United States was capable of fighting a war against them, that that wouldn't be possible without extreme levels of discomfort for the American people. And we're just not willing to put up with that anymore. Especially when we're we're, we're so dependent on China for almost everything. It's true. For all of our production, right? I mean, during World War II, right? That was was no easy task, not merely for the soldiers who went off and fought, but we had a total war economy. Like everything in our economy was dedicated to the war. We were rationing. Resources had to be uh, treated as if they were extremely scarce because they were more so than ever. If we ever wanted to fight a massive war like that again, especially at this point, yeah, people would have to make a lot of sacrifices. And I'm sorry, I just don't think the American people are going to be willing to do that again. Yeah, you can't be like, hey, give me all the resources, China, that you're collecting in Africa mm-hmm. and all over the other developed mm-hmm. worlds that you're uh, causing deals with. As of course, China is going to be geopolitically opposed against the interests of the United States. Yeah. And it's going to set up that deciduous trap. And of course, you're not going to be able to get your cheap Amazon goods. You're not going to be able to get your slave goods over here uh, on, on Prime delivery services, as of course, a lot of things are going to be very difficult to get, as of course, we outsourced manufacturing under a David Rockefeller plan that, of course, opened up China to the West and the rest of the world. As I got the uh, I got the debt clock um, up right now showing thirty four point one trillion dollars in debt right now which is absolutely crazy that number is never going to go down is it going up faster than a hundred thousand dollars a second no that's fun to check out it's like five it's like two seconds or three seconds is there even an intention to pay it back no no, they, they can't. Yeah. How are they going to pay it and back? Who are they paying it back to, by the way? Who's supposed to get that money? I mean, they, they take in $5 trillion in taxes annually. So we would have to have no expenditures for seven years to pay down the debt. And I'm, just I'm okay with that. Genuine, I'll be fine so, with that. I'm okay with that too, I'll, I'll, Luke. I'll but I'm glad they do that. There'll I'm be less government that, in my that life. Means, that means all of the, the social safety net gone. That means no national defense. That means good. no government employees. I'm well, good with good. you too, but I'm just saying they ain't going to do it. Genuine it is, question. Mm-hmm. Who is the money supposed to be paid back to? It's it's held by it's held by pension funds and yep. you know retirees and foreign nations and hedge funds. And I mean, it's so corporations in foreign so, countries. Well, and individuals. There's tons of Americans that, that own that debt. And, and th- there's also something else to consider here. People talk often about debt to GDP ratio, for example, or just the raw amount that we owe. But there's another factor to consider that I don't think is discussed often enough, and that is the amount of interest our government has to pay on the national debt. Yeah. So if, if interest rates go back to their historic average of 6%, based on the amount of debt we, we had in 2021, we would end up paying 1.7 trillion per year. 1.7 trillion per year just in interest payments. That's not making a dent. That's not making a dent in the actual principle. That's uh, paying of the minimum on your credit card. That's exactly right. So, so that's going to be. We're going to get to that point if if rates go to their historic average, and especially with the dollar losing its value. I mean, we are really headed for some very tough times there. I don't know if that can be if that can be emphasized enough. I was you got to look up Weimar Germany's hyperinflation. Mm-hmm. It went from like twenty dollars for an item to two hundred dollars for an item, and then like uh, six hours later, it's two thousand dollars for that same item. And you're like, what? the next morning you wake up and it's twenty thousand dollars for that item that was twenty dollars two days ago. Like it went oh uh, out of control in like I don't know I don't know exactly the time limits but it would be like eight hours later you'd be like i was just here eight hours ago they're like sorry that's what people described to me that was happening to them in zimbabwe they were like we we're in the supermarket and by the time that we got in there and the time that we were checking out the prices doubled 
And they were just shocked and surprised because, uh, again, even when I was in Venezuela, I, I did I did an inflation tour all around the world, going to some of the countries most most hardest hit by inflation because I see it happening in the United States. And I wanted to learn. I wanted to prepare myself. And I wanted to understand inflation as best as I could. And, and if you haven't checked out the We Are Changed Zimbabwe report or the We Are Changed Venezuela report, Go check it out. You could probably type that in and, and maybe hopefully YouTube will so allow you to find it. But but even in the restaurants when we sat down, all the prices were stickers because they kept changing the price so often that they couldn't have a consistent price of food on the menu. And they kept increasing it by literally uh, stickering it on, on the top of their menu. Hypothetically, and this isn't really uh, necessarily a hyperinflation situation. If the Chinese, if we're getting our medicine from China and China cuts off trade relations because they declare war or something like that. And now we're going to have to get our medicine through a black market. They're going to have to print money to get that medicine. You could see escalatory hyper. I don't know if that would cause hyperinflation, but that's just like a step falling down the steps. I mean, if you trip going down steps, you're pretty much screwed until you hit the bottom. Yeah, it's like mm. it's like starting a snowball, essentially. Mm -hmm. Like once yeah. it get like we already have a $34 trillion snowball. So that thing, if you just push it down the mountain, it's going to pick up pace and it's going to grow exponentially yep. as it goes down. So we're already we're already there. Now let me let me spin this positively for you guys because this is all not doom and gloom. China just just had Evergrande, one of their biggest uh, construction companies, go go bust. They've been in and out of bankruptcy proceedings for a few years now, but they've been hanging on by a thread. The reason I bring this up as a positive is that China recognizes that their primary way of sustaining themselves as a government, uh, controlling their people, is that they have to export goods to the American economy. We buy all their junk. That's the only reason that they stay afloat. If we stop that, which if we were to go to war, that bankrupts them too. But if we go that route, they're going to stop buying our treasuries. They've already decreased their purchase pace uh, very significantly since 2020. But it kills both of us. Like it's going to bankrupt China. It's going to bankrupt. Like Russia is actually probably the nation that's in the in the best position to go to war with with America because they have so little debt and they've already been forced off of the U.S. dollar system and all of the trading uh, or all of the exchange rails that we use. But China would be in a lot of trouble. So that's the biggest yeah. enemy that we face, and they don't want war with us. But this is the point I'm trying to make. These countries actually don't want to fight us. It's just that we're so belligerent. They're saying, okay. If we got to, we got to. Yeah, it's almost as if the United States is preparing Russia for a larger conflict, especially with all the sanctions that they launched against them. And again, Russia, lots of natural resources. They're telling their people yeah. to literally have as many children as they can, while here in the United States, politicians are telling... Uh, you to uh, eugenicize your children. Yeah. More on that on Rumble, yeah, where of some. course we could talk about that. We're going to have to uh, transition over. Just hold on a minute there, uh, Ian, for a second, as of course we're going to be go going over to Rumble uh, and continuing this conversation in a more free and honest way. As of course, we also have some super chats here that I wanted to address. One from Zach Mines saying, Hey, Ian, is there a way I can mail you some magazines? They are from... Hold on, this damn thing keeps popping up here i can't steph read it they are from the world's largest gem and mineral show going on right now in uh, arizona ian uh, it sounds awesome i don't have a mailing address at the moment um do you in florida because if you send them here i might get them I one day no one. Yeah, I, so I at, the, at the moment no i'm not receiving incoming mail uh, thank uh, you uh, stephanie why he's talking there you go 
Zach Mines. Uh, Thanks, ha- Zach. Has another super oh, cool. chat here. No, not that. That was not Zach Mines. Ian Slater says, hide the spoons. LOL. Are we okay with spoons or did Seamus take all of them, Steph? I would not do something he like that. He keistered You guys ran know off. me. You know me. One in my you room. know that I would never do that, you guys. You literally know me. You're a pathological liar. You know me. I would never do something like that. Where were you putting them anyway when you were walking out of the room with them? Where I never you? did. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. You guys know right, well, that's me. Convincing I don't know where me. he was putting them, but you if, you, if, you, if you were you to stop him and make him shake his hips, you could hear it jingling. But I thought that was just normal, like Seamus behavior. We can, I can make a joke here that I, I, that I can't. That. I, I, I can't make a joke that I want to on, but we'll we'll make it on, on Rumble. Hold the punchline. I'll hold the punchline until then. Anyway, uh, if you guys appreciate the conversation on YouTube, seriously, go over to rumble.com forward slash we are changed. This is the way to, of course, continue the conversation. As of course, when you go to rumble.com forward slash we are changed, we pop right up on the front screen as of course your participation in alternative media platforms are more important than ever and it's awesome and it's great to have your participation to have your support by the way there was some uh, technical glitches last night with zuby so we uploaded the full two hour show in hd so you guys could watch it now that video available to you uh from last night uninterrupted two hours as of course now we continue the conversation rumble.com forward slash we are changed see you over there right now um ian before we uh transition and cross over where can people find you you can find me on the internet at ian cross on all over the place and every usually every monday through friday eight o'clock p.m eastern standard time on Timcast irl well i'll be sitting adjacent to tim pool talking about it and uh, i think that's about it but yeah. at ian crossland find me there our grievances against tim pool on rumble yeah that's right we're gonna have a real conversation about that Mm-hmm. Damn You're right. sweating. I can see it. You're right. shining. I'm like, it's going to be hard. I'm going to be a little shaky, but please bear with me. Seamus, where do people find uh, you and, and your Freedom Tunes endeavors and everything else? Thank you very much for asking. So I have a YouTube channel called Freedom Tunes, but if you guys just want to go to my website, freedomtunes.com, uh, and you want to support me and what I'm doing, you can become a member there. And, uh, you know, for your membership, you'll be able to get a bunch of extra cartoons. We have over 50 extra cartoons behind the paywall that only members get to see. We also have extended versions of the web reviews, some that are as long as 20 minutes, one that's actually 30 minutes. Uh, And we're going to start uploading our behind-the-scenes podcast soon, where myself and everyone on our team, we talk about the production of the episodes and also other things related to politics and things related to animation and entertainment and just working in the industry as artists who aren't woke. So go over to freedomtunes.com, become a member, help us support the show and help uh, good artists working in America continue to create content that isn't woke. Thank you. Seamus is a liar and and depends on Chinese slave labor (laughs) and his website is the the worst political show.com. That's his actual website. Clint? At Liberty Lockpod. At Liberty Lockpod on X. Liberty Lockdown is the show. Clint Russell's the name. Uh, Please do subscribe on both YouTube and Rumble to Liberty Lockdown. I also co-host Tower Gang. Don't subscribe to that. And I am the co-host of The Best Political Show. And please pick up your phone and subscribe to The Best Political Show on your favorite podcatcher. We are putting all these out on audio version. I don't think most people know that because Luke has not done that historically, but you ought to because it's a great way to never miss an episode. That's cool. Like Spotify, things like yeah, that. Exactly. Awesome. Professional button pusher of We Are Change, Steph We Are Change on Instagram, Steph WRC on X. Rumble.com forward slash We Are Change. It's that simple. It, it, it's that, that, it's that quick. And uh, it, it really does make a big difference, especially with all the technocratic gulag effort implemented by YouTube, especially in an election year 
where they go overzealously in their censorship efforts. Those censorship efforts will ramp up the closer we get to this election cycle. A lot of people are going to be hit. A lot of people's online independent media careers will be ruined, just like the last election cycle. But you could stop that. You could prevent that. You could vote with your attention, with your clicks right now by going to rumble.com forward slash we are changed. It's more imperative and important that you do that right now than ever. Rumble.com forward slash we are changed. See you over there. We're, again, Beanie Man, his, his times, his time, all on Rumble. We're going to call him out. We're going to call him out. And we're going to say a lot of things about, about, about the Beanie Man all on that website. But I wanted to start off the Rumble section with this particular video that is making the rounds on the internet and gaining a lot of very interesting conversations around it. Here it is. Kate Millett, she was an American feminist author and artist. Uh, she is the founder of the National Organization for Women. Her sister, Mallory, was invited to one of the first meetings that established the National Organization for Women. So this is a feminist group that has been around since the start of the feminist movement, and they basically pioneered the whole movement. And she opened the meeting with the following back and forth recitation. So this is how the beginning of the meeting went. Why are we here today, she asked. To make revolution, they answered. What kind of revolution? The cultural revolution. How do we make cultural revolution? by destroying the American family. How do we destroy the family? By destroying the American patriarch. And how do we destroy the American patriarch? By taking away his power. And how do we do that? By destroying monogamy. And how do we destroy monogamy? By promoting promiscuity, eroticism, prostitution, and homosexuality. Come on. Is that why we have that's so much? She's right. Uh, that's every every word of that's completely true. That's is is that true. why we have all the hoes and gays right Dude, now? Answer about... for yourself, Clint. Well, as a, as a gay <laughs> hoe, what do you think, Luke? There's something that, about that was family. My line to get Clint, yeah, you just stole a joke. Freedom tunes. Oh. Seamus Coglin, famous joke stealer over here. Look at this. That's a guilty smile. That's a guilty smile right there. Do you guys remember? I just do you guys remember uh, like 30 minutes ago when I said someone should tweet poo poo pee pee yeah, and then I Luke just that. stole that from me? He just yeah. took that idea. You and told it people to do it. I listened to you and finally for the first time ever. You're literally stealing mine. That was my idea. I said that I no, could, I know, I could no, tweet no, that was my yeah, joke no, first. I no, that was Clint's idea. Clint's right. <laughs> and, then you, and then you said you guys, should do guys, it. I'm trying to talk about feminism. You joke ho. You a joke ho, okay? You should be ashamed of yourself. I thought you were just a broke ho, but now you a joke ho, son. I gotta guys, say, I just want to talk about feminism here. I don't know. Yeah, where, me where, too. Where, where, what that to. that girl was saying is super true. I was going through like depressive last last night. Like I was in a relationship for two years. It was one of the most empowering feelings to have a woman that supports you inherently, and then to have that gone is like one of the most demoral. Like I felt. I told you last night. I felt rudderless. It's mm -hmm. like there's something yeah. about that that unity that is like necessary i don't know the bravery i don't know what and i keep telling myself i gotta be able to do it alone but i think that's the psyop i don't think we're supposed to do it alone interesting 
That's an interesting point. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's a lot of truth in that for some, I mean, not everyone is supposed to get married, but uh, at the same time, most people are clearly, right? And it's what most people have done uh, historically. I really think there is something to be said just about the erosion of sexual morals destroying society. Though it's not simply the case that like not as many people are getting married, though that is true, but that that's a symptom of the erosion of sexual morals uh, in general. It's not as if the people who are unmarried are abstaining right now right they're they're sleeping around and they're looking at pornography and they're being degenerate rather than being chased and so they're actually warping their own understanding of sexuality so that when they do get married they're not able to have as healthy and productive a relationship with their spouse there's something that wilhelm reich the famous psychoanalyst and marxist said we don't have to discuss the existence or non-existence of god we merely have to erase the sexual repressions, quote unquote, and then he went on to say, and to dissolve the infantile bond between parent and child. So essentially what he's saying there is that if you really want to have the cultural revolution, if you really want to have the communist revolution, if you really want a classless society, what you have to do is erode traditional sexual morals. And this is something that revolutionaries have known for a very long time. You look at the French revolution, it actually didn't happen without a sexual revolution that, that, um, took place. And people like Marquis de Sade, who are complete and total disgusting perverts, who are the intellectual leaders of this movement, which resulted in so much bloodshed, it becomes really clear that what happens is when a person gives in to the vice of lust, they end up eroding their appreciation for other human beings as being created in the image and likeness of God and having dignity and worth, and they just become a thing to use. So then on the political stage, other human beings who exist in other parts of the world, or even your own country, who are in convenient to your goals are just people who can be used and discarded just as they can be with your sexual practices. And so I don't think it's any coincidence that so much of the violence that took place during the sexual revolution was also sexual violence, nuns being raped, the people who they were killing being castrated in the streets. These things are very closely linked, but it's not something that we talk about very often because we want to create the image that when people are just totally unrestrained uh, sexually, you get this very happy, peaceful society where everyone's living like they're on some kind of miraculous miraculously functioning hippie commune when the reality is you just make people very damaged and psychologically ugly and bitter and broken. And I challenge anyone Shots to just fired examine the lies. And his hippie commune. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I challenge anyone too to just, I want you to stop and think about this for a moment. Um, the people you have known in your life, and I understand there are exceptions to the rule, but the people you've known in your own life who were the most sexually promiscuous, were they nice? Were they kind? Were they respectful? I think one thing you'll notice is that people who sleep around the most, they, they tend to be really cruel. And they actually tend to be really cruel towards the opposite sex. That's a huge part of it. Hmm. They tend to have a very negative view of the opposite sex. And I, I just want to challenge people to think about that a little more and observe the people around them. Well, and if you have a lot of something, you don't appreciate it. Uh, that's and if you have something point. that's limited, yeah. you, you appreciate it more. And it, if you have sex all the time, you, you lose kind of respect. Respect for yourself and for the person you're having. I think that's part idea of scarcity. I think there's that. I would. I, I would also take it a little bit deeper. I would. I would say that Carol Wojtyla uh, once said that the problem with pornography is not that it shows too much of a person, it's that it shows too little of a person. So in some sense, you are getting too much of something, but you're getting too little because you're actually not getting the soul. Like, yeah. like you're not seeing the person as an ensouled being, as a body-soul composite. What you're seeing them as is 
a pound of flesh for you to use for your own gratification. If you think you can have a healthy functioning society where people view each other that way, you're totally wrong. And this is, again, something the Marxist uh, theorists came to realize and something that revolutionaries have by and large realized historically, which is that if you get people to say yes to that vice, you will erode their uh, understanding and and commitment to morality overall. We got a super chat by Gone Fall, excuse Mm -hmm. me, a rumble rant saying, quote, we can replace porn with graphene. Gone Fall also says, can we, fix the, can we fix the nuclear family with graphene? It's simple. Tell them, Ian. I would like to, instead of watching porn, focus on building a graphene company. I'm just not sure exactly how to build the company, like what I should do with the company. I'm going to be moment. honest. I've always envisioned Ian Cross and jerking off to graphene. Cross. Yeah, it's black. <laughs> it's dark. You know, it's it's rigid. With, it's sharp. It, with soft. graphene. Clint, with, <laughs> with, graphene. with it. Excuse me. Excuse me. Porn is devastating. I try to watch. If I ever watch porn, I'm like, I'm trying just to, okay, I'll look at objectively. Like, I want to learn sexual tactics. That's what I'm doing here. But the truth, like kind of aligned with what, what you're saying, Seamus, that I start to look at the woman as a tool or the body is like, I'm going to fuck that body. And it's like, no, mm. man, there's like a soul. There's like a, a brain creature soul that you're unifying with. And like the stimulation's part of it, obviously. Well, you lose intimacy well, the more partners yes. you have. And you don't have that kind of larger connection and that larger scarcity. Like in, in financial terms, other people would understand it. Well, I, I, Ian, I think what you're saying is actually really profound there because whether people recognize it or not, whether people actually look at it as a quest for knowledge, it is something that informs people's view. And so in this country, it's gotten so horrible that the average age of first exposure to pornography is around 11 years old. Oh, something that's like horrible. Nine. Uh, that's horrible. And, and so what happens is people start watching this from a very young age. And even though they aren't thinking I'm looking at this as a learning exercise, it becomes a learning exercise and it warps their view of sexuality. And the thing about it is it's not something that actually teaches a person not to have a healthy sexual relationship. It's something that gives you the dopamine and serotonin fix that you need to keep coming back for more and end up developing a compulsion. Well, it's Yo, not a fix, it's a depletion because a lot yeah. of people are addicted well, and they keep doing is, it so often it? That, that they do it so much that their dopamine levels are depleted. Mm-hmm. And this is why a lot of people are now talking about doing a dopamine detox because mm-hmm. their dopamine levels are, are so just low because they keep freaking hitting it yeah. and, and jerking off. Sorry, I forgot I'm on Rumble. They keep fucking beating their meat to the point mm-hmm. where their brains are are literally just not able to run efficiently. Also, if you're just jerking off, if you're just coming alone, you're losing protein. You're losing a lot of nutrients in that. But if you're fucking someone, you're getting nutrients from her. I'm just going to say her because that's who I like to have sex with. But like, so it's a trade-off. You're not just losing, you're you're trading. So it's, it's like way less of a depletion. It's really not a depletion. It's kind of an energetic, energizing experience from my experience. I don't know as much about like retaining um, protein or or, or energy or anything like that. But what I think one thing I I think you're kind of scratching at, which which I I see is that there's a telos to these things, right? Like your body's supposed to function a certain way. And, you know, when when you're having sex, hopefully within the, you know, the confines of marriage and with your spouse, there there actually is a use for the protein that you are losing from your body and actually becomes something greater. It can become another human person. The thing is, even if it doesn't become another human, person, it forms a bond between you and your wife. Because what you're saying is you are someone I'm willing to roll the dice with on creating another human being. Like you are someone who I want to be open to life with. That that really says something profound. I think that's been, you know, why I haven't had kids yet is because it's so, it's so challenging to imagine Mm -hmm. taking on that task with someone that like is Most, mentally deranged or insane. Oh, oh yeah. That, or an SSRIs. That that too. Or is vaccinated. All of that, yes. Or but, eats seed oils. 
Or is is a socialist or believes in the state. Yeah, the the list goes on and on. Uh, It's very challenging. But I I think, you know, the, the one good thing about this new trend is that I see in myself, I see in a lot of my peers is that because so many of us came from broken homes, we take that yeah. bond very seriously. Yeah. And I take I take a, a parenthood or a parenting role very seriously. And the only reason I've delayed so much in, in entering into that is because I take it so, so seriously. Yeah. So like yeah. I, I intend for it to be a lifelong commitment. And statistically, people who come from broken homes have a higher probability of having broken homes themselves. And that's so, correct. Yeah. And it's, so. it's a very sad fact. And I'll just say this. One thing that a lot of people overlook is that it's not merely the fact that we have no-fault divorce, though that's a huge part of the problem. Thanks, it's, Reagan. It's the cultural changes that developed alongside no-fault divorce. So here's how we used to view divorce as a society. And I'm not even saying this is the right way to view it. I would have a more conservative uh, picture of it than this. But what we used to say is divorce is an ugly thing. We don't want it to happen to people. But it's going to happen sometimes, so let's just allow it. That was the initial view, and that, that was how no-fault divorce was argued for. Then later on in the 70s and 80s, we start to develop this narrative. Divorce is an adventure. Divorce is an opportunity to reinvent yourself. Divorce is a way to get the things out of life divorce that you're not getting currently. Liberation. You could upgrade. You could get something exactly. better than what you have right now. And so I, you know, I was born in 1995, and so I was raised in uh, the generation that was being raised by parents who thought that that was true, who saw divorce as a potential way of increasing their own gratification with life. And so I I was raised uh, around a lot of people who came from broken homes, even though I grew up in a really nice area. You know, I was not by any means living in uh, the hood or some rough area where you already had broken homes. I was was living in a nice suburb, and yet parents were getting divorced at a a really high rate. Hardly any of my friends have their parents that are still together. It's crazy. It's very sad. It's a very sad thing, just the erosion of the family. And again, part of it is just that story that we've told ourselves as a culture. Divorce is how you reinvent yourself. Divorce is how you get the things that you want. I mean, we, we never tell people, you know how you get things that you want or you know what your best shot is at getting things that you want? Sticking to your prior commitments, doing the yeah. things that you said you were going to do, being there for your children, being or there working for hard towards something working greater hard than towards yourself. Something yeah. greater than yourself. Instead, it's, it's leave, abandon ship. Now, I'll also say this, because earlier I was talking about how our view of sex is really conducive to seeing other human beings as objects. Well, what about our, our, our view of marriage? If we just imagine for a moment, imagine for a moment, if we lived in a society where a person who had purchased a home could have somebody else go to the bank and say, you know what, I'd like that house more than the person who lives in it. Let me cut you a check and you give the house to me. Imagine you could do that without a person's consent, just buy their house out from under them. This is a crass analogy because we're not talking about houses. We're talking about another human being when we talk about a person's spouse. But the reality is what we have now is so much more insidious. A society where you could just steal someone's house would be untenable. We have a society where you can steal somebody's spouse. You can literally take someone's spouse. How can you be a free people with security in your future if someone can literally take your family from you? You mean like through divorce and then through a divorce, through through seducing somebody else's I, spouse, through an affair, and then getting together with their spouse later on? These are things that we now allow. These have worked their way into our cultural paradigm and our understanding. Well, I, there's no the more bros over relationships. Bros uh, over hoses is no, lost meaning. I, I mean, I guess my point is, if a bank or a house or a car was something that could just be taken from you at any moment's notice, we understand that that would result in society collapsing. 
but that's what we've done to family. Your family can just be taken from you at any moment in this culture. And we're going to sit here and pretend that that's healthy and that that's not going to end up with a complete destruction of our culture. Do you think that well, the problem begs the question like, is, is, is marriage a transaction? Is it a mm -hmm. transactional thing? Because it's if you question. think about it, it's like a contract mm -hmm. and you're tying your monetary funds together. And that's like one way of looking at it. There are people I'm not arguing for or against this, but there are people that will be in a relationship, but they just don't don't do the whole contractual fiscal marriage part. So that's a really, really good question. And here's how I would respond to that. Marriage goes deeper than a contract. And that's why it's one of the, the very few things that nothing should be able to really allow a person to get out of. Now, of course, I'll issue the necessary caveats. If your spouse is abusing you, yes, you can go live somewhere else, of course. But like the reality is you are still married to that person and can't get remarried. Uh, but my broader point is marriage goes beyond a contract. It's a covenant. And what covenant actually means is extension of kinship. In other words, making someone a member of your family. This is why the wife takes the husband's last name. You are literally making your wife part of your family. The two become one flesh. Like you, be, you become the same person. You're the same family. Unless you're married to Nikki Haley. Tear that apart. Then she changes your first name. <laughs> she goes, we're going to call you Big Mike. <laughs> and then your name becomes Michael. And that's just how it is for the rest of your life. Uh, but yeah, marriage, it goes beyond just a contract, right? It's, it's an extension of kinship. You become family. You become you think, family. So like in the, the, I think it's the, the Old Testament. I mean, mm -hmm. the, in the, the, the Ten Commandments, it's like mm -hmm. adultery is like one of the worst yeah. things. You could do you think that what's destroyed culture and society more is uh, uh, like reckless adultery or mm. uh, no-fault divorce? Is it more the contractual mm. uh, violations or is it more the spiritual violations? That's a really good question. And my, my answer would be you can't separate the two. I don't think we can separate the two. I think that um, I think that no-fault divorce only exists because of adultery. Well, because this is something that uh, Christ says in the gospel that to leave your spouse in you know marry another is adultery. So we call this no-fault divorce. Well, what it actually is is just the systemic normalization and sanctioning of adultery. But I, what about I, like people that get married for money, like? Mm. Woman moves to the to the U.S. She needs a green card, so they just issue a marriage license, like a sham marriage, basically. Yeah. So I, I would say in that instance, because the people aren't actually sincerely becoming married, no marriage actually existed there in the first place. So, for example, like if Clint and I were going to commit some kind of horrible tax fraud, and so like we started a fake shell company and we, you know, found I, ways to put the money dude, through it, there you, wouldn't you be an actual company. You wouldn't company talk about there. this on the show. <laughs> he's a he's a loose lips, you know, <laughs> true. loose lips and ships. Um, but there wouldn't be an actual company there, right? So in the same way that when and there's a sham marriage. It's like there's not actually a marriage there, right? Those people are just lying. Hey, simps sink ships too. That's true. That's true. I, I, got, I got to push back on on your analogy though, because uh, it does it it runs afoul of some of my libertarian ideals. So uh, uh, it seems as if your analogy is to equate. I mean, quite literally, you're saying it's property. Mm -hmm. You're saying a, a home. It's title. You know, I. I I struggle to imagine, like, how do, I could make the same analogy but bring up slavery as if, sure. like, I own yeah. the person. So how, how mm -hmm. would you address that? No, so that's that's a really good question and a fair critique. And part of what I mentioned earlier is that it's kind of a crass analogy because you're talking about your spouse and not someone who's like a piece of property. But I do firmly believe that once you become married to someone, you do literally own each other, but it's a mutual ownership. So mm -hmm. it's not like I can force you to do X, Y, Z. So there's like a little bit of a mutually assured destruction thing there when you sure. both own each other. But I, yeah, I do think it's a, it's a voluntary form of uh, ownership where you literally become family and you do have control over each other's lives. Because people will say things. It's kind of crazy, right? We live in a culture that in in recent decades has branded jealousy just as an emotion 
is irredeemably evil. Anytime anyone is jealous uh, romantically in media, they're portrayed basically as an abusive partner, especially if they're a man. And jealousy is this horrible thing that always leads to being a controlling asshole. And of course it can. If you don't leave any emotion uh, restrained, if you leave any emotion unchecked, it can result in some really damaging outcomes. But the reality is we, we should be a little bit suspicious when a culture that doesn't believe in monogamy tells us that jealousy is a bad thing because jealousy is one of the things that actually safeguards a relationship when it's put in its proper place. Uh, and so my whole point with this is to say, you'll, you'll hear people say things like, well, like, how could you, um, how could you tell your spouse that like, for example, they couldn't like go get dinner and drinks alone with a member of the opposite sex. You don't own them. It's like, no, actually you do. You do. You own your spouse and they own you. You own each other at that point. What? Oh, I think yeah, ownership's yeah. not the right word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because it's not about like controlling each other. It's yeah. about trusting each other. And there's yes. a big differentiation there. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and that's huge. That's huge, right? I think you said own. You own each. I don't think owns the right word. There's got to be you're contractually obligated to each other. Is that more than? It's not technical. Because I think ownership. it goes beyond. I think it goes beyond just the contractual obligation. Like you are family. You're family at that point. I, I've always. But used, I, yeah, sorry. I hear like that. I know the term ownership is loaded because we associate it with like slavery. But here's the thing, right? This is one thing that we just understand from like even a, a market perspective. I, I would imagine you as a libertarian would understand like there's a difference between renting and owning, right? If, if this is a relationship where it's like a contract and marriage sure. becomes like a renting relationship where anyone can leave as soon as it's not working, you actually don't take as good of care, a, a good care of the other person as you would if this is like an ownership thing where you own each other forever and your long-term success is connected to this person for the rest of your life. Yeah, I mean, uh, so Seamus, where can I buy a woman? <laughs> Probably online. Ukraine, you look well, hard the enough. Thing, there's why, there's crazy. an that's insane amount kind of for ownership. sale in Ukraine right now. <laughs> and that's why it's a different guy. I mean, it's called the, human trafficking, Mr. About... Clint Epstein. <laughs> you yeah. said you wanted yeah. to buy one. Yeah, you're sick. <laughs> what, what, you, what, you think you're going to buy them and not have them be trafficked? But that's why it's a beautiful thing because it's not a purchasing. It's like it's a mutual self giving. Like you are giving yourself to it. You're not being like purchased. Like you are giving yourselves I, to see, one another. But here's the problem though. If you have entered that contract, if you own the other person, well, if, if, this dude turns around and he beats the shit out of her, mm -hmm. or or vice versa. Mm -hmm. That's that's a eviscerating of the contract. You have fucking yeah. you so, you have egregiously wronged your partner, the person who's who's now your family member. I think just as a parent or a child has the right to to flee from a relationship with an abusive parent, it ought to be the same in marriage. Yeah, so I would certainly agree. A child has a right to leave an abusive parent, but they don't actually stop being their parent, right? Like technically that will always be their parent, even if they choose not to have a relationship with them anymore. And so once you're married, that person is always your spouse, but you can choose not to have a relationship with them anymore if they're abusive. If, I, if, if they're abusing you or your children and you have to go somewhere else, of course you, you have a right. And I would say in many instances, an obligation to do that so that your, your kids aren't I think being abused. So I can't but buy you're some, still I can't married. Somebody, I can't <laughs> buy somebody. Looking, you can do a lot of things. But I think the kids, if I it, told you Ukraine, Luke. Just the, call. If the kid flees the abusive <laughs> parent, they can like get a new guardian. Like they can go mm -hmm. to a friend's house, and their new their parent can now become the legal guardian of that fourteen year old. Um, so, and then the marriage would be done, or the, the parenthood would they no longer be the the legal guardian. Mm -hmm. The, yeah, the word well, parent maybe would just I don't know, can well, I just say the key difference? Go ahead. Yeah, well, I just want to say a key difference between the two situations is while you're still a minor, you do need a parent figure to take care of you. You do need a guardian. Whereas when you're married, you don't. If you leave that relationship, you're not uh, in a position where you have to have some other romantic relationship with someone else in order to survive. In the same way that a child who leaves their parent does need a guardian. Yeah. We have a rumble rant from mm -hmm. Oh Okay saying, "Quote another guest you guys should have is." is Rolo. 
Tamayas, author of Tomas Rational Man. Uh, yes, we've been actually in touch on Twitter, and we've been trying to get him on the show whenever he's going to be in Miami next. So that's something that we're working on. We got another uh, suggestion by O. Oh, okay, saying, hey, look, would you guys... Uh, invite Ryan Dawson to your show. I think that would be a, a very t- a tumultuous conversation, but I think we definitely shouldn't have that on YouTube. But on Rumble, yeah, why not? We're always up for a contentious conversation. I know Ryan well. He's, uh, he lives in Japan, so when he's in the States, I'm sure he'll come on. Yeah, we, we, we do in-person uh, shows. We were supposed to have Alex Stein, Primetime 99, who became Lame Time 99 because he canceled on you us last minute. Because he got, he got a little, you know, a little, a little sick. Yeah. Well, that's what happens when you're a pimp on a blimp, bro. I'm pimp sorry you don't understand. <laughs> pimp, yeah, pimp. Low pressure. COVID on a blimp. We, we were... Uh, Steph, you got to do the buttons when you're... <laughs> But, uh, yeah, we went on a boat party with him. Uh, got nothing but bad things to say about the man. Alex, you <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Goody Gum Drops just became a monthly supporter. I don't know what that means. Nice uh, work, dude. We don't have monthly supporters set up on, on Rumble, so I don't know what that is going to do. But if you do sign up, sign up to LukeUnfiltered.com. We are going to be taking calls from members in about three minutes. We got someone who's been waiting to call for a very long time. This could be a great call or a, or a really bad <laughs> Call. This guy's really enthusiastic. We're going to see what he has to say in just a few minutes from now. And we have another rumble rant from Gone Fall saying, I lost 125 pounds not eating bread, fruit, and sweets. No sugar, period. Just low carbs from veggies and meat. Wow. The sugar corporations can suck it. I will never be fat again. Food was dopamine. Fuck yeah, Gone Fall. That's amazing to hear. You are an inspiration to a lot of fatties out there who <laughs> truly needs to hear that message that anything and everything is possible. I, Do you I'm hear that, Clint? You, I'm hearing Do you, you hear that, Larry and Claire? Thank you as so you much. tried to prevent my joke before I was even getting the offer. <laughs> I, I, see I, I see what you're doing here. I see what you're doing here. As of course, I uh, your digs. Uh, I, 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 I caught them right in the moment as soon as you were making them. As of course, I'm also happy to report that Clint's idea that Seamus stole, that I stole from all three of you, has absolutely more likes than John Bolton's tweets, as we now have 249 (laughs) likes on me saying pee-pee-poo-poo on the John Bolton tweet that only has 155 (laughs) likes. That's so we are in union, folks. Ratio job bolted. Pee pee poo poo, motherfucker. <laughs> right in your face, internet. you fucking warmongering bitch. Technocrats are freaking Fuck out. you and the fucking demonic hellscape you came from, you angry fucking pathetic soy boy demon. I, I got. Uh, we got another uh, oh, super chat uh, rumble rant by Gone Fall saying, "If we were truly a free society, people would be allowed to want to be slaves, and we would go forth with slave rights." <laughs> right, right, Seamus? No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you <laughs> disagree. I don't think we should let people voluntarily introduce themselves into slavery. Yeah, self ownership is always uh, primary. Yeah, it's like you can't you can't escape it. You own yourself. Yeah. All right, we got another uh, caller uh, that we're going to go to now. Uh, before we go into that, anything else you guys want to go well, off? Uh, on? Marriage. I just can I give a fun fact, and, and maybe I can um, uh, I can talk to maybe fiducia supplicants in a bit because I know we said we would talk. Yeah, about we that. should do yeah, that. Yeah, we're going to get that into can that, wait, a bit. that can wait till after the phone call. But uh, one fun fact I wanted to mention about Venezuela, since we were talking about inflation earlier, is that their currency got so destroyed that like origami art and purses and wallets made out of their currency ended up being worth more than the currency. 
currency. So yep. people were making that stuff and selling it. I was literally in like a Venezuelan strip club, just like making it freaking rain like crazy because their their, their money wasn't worth nothing. In, wow. in, <laughs> in Weimar <laughs> Germany, they would use it for uh, for kindling because it was cheaper than than wood. Oh my gosh! So we're, here we go. All right, we got a caller, Brian Bushholm who has been very enthusiastically waiting to call in since yesterday, as we have just gotten to you now. Brian, thank you so much for becoming a member of LukeUnfolter.com. Thank you so much for, for calling in. Feel free to ask us any questions. I, hope, I hope he just shouts racial, racial slurs and <laughs> hangs up. That'd be so based. Brian, are you going <laughs> to no, shout I'm racial probably, slurs no, and but, hang up? Uh, and Luke, thank you. Yes, I've been a channel member for a little while now. Actually, it was at the Miami event. Uh, you uh, were generous enough to give me a free ticket, and I uh, flew down from South Carolina. So nice, uh, awesome. To come on and um, go over. Um, I don't know if you guys saw. Um, there was a protester that uh, was at the Nikki Haley rally. Was that protester and, uh, named Brian? Indeed, it was. Yes. <laughs> so in the um, flesh. Yeah, uh, it was pretty interesting because uh, they don't like uh, us, you know, going to uh, her protests or to her uh, rallies. So. I actually had to go a little incognito. I had to uh, feign being a Nikki Haley protester for three hours. Uh, so that was pretty depressing. <laughs> I'm sorry you had to do that. I love yeah, you. Keep calling up. How protest. many liberals did you have to be around? <laughs> um, too many that uh, I hope I never have to do again. Did they tell you the <laughs> future is female? Uh, they Well, they smell terrible. Uh, they have zero test. Uh, and oh, my God, like. It's pretty sad. Like it was pretty bad. So, and what, like, what was Nikki the worst of it? And and what did you ask Nikki Haley, or what did you tell her? Uh, so pretty much, I uh, Benny Johnson posted it. Um, if you want to check him out, Matt Wallace did as well. It's uh, uh, you can see it on my uh, ex at uh, Brian B. Based is my ex. If you want to throw me a follow, I appreciate it. Um, and uh, pretty much, I called her out for the military-industrial complex. I said no new wars. Uh, I called her out for where money was coming from. Uh, specifically said Reed Hoffman, uh, and she had nothing to say after that. Well, as soon as I brought up Reed Hoffman, she, you know, deer in headlights. Uh, and then I proceeded to take the sign that they gave everybody, and I threw it up. And I, I think away. I see you in the crowd there, and it does look like some uh, very, uh, very. Uh soy boyd and weak and old crazy deranged looking like homeless people behind you not many either and that picture oh thank you. oh too by the way all right we got uh, the clip let's play let's play it here i want to i want to see this one i haven't seen it yet brian but i just did follow you on twitter only way we will get that done none of us want new wars none of us want new wars Pretty happy with that. I always find cheering and booing to be so such a cattle uh, like behavior. <laughs> means you don't. <laughs> oh, well, that's that's what sheep do, Ian. They 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 just go with the crowd. They uh, you know they they don't know they don't even know what you're booing and cheering about. They just oh somebody else is doing. It. <laughs> awesome. I uh, heard I could only it, hear like half of what you were saying there, but what so you 
You said no new wars. You said nobody wants new war. And then you said Reed Hoffman's your is Reed Hoffman tied to like to war profiteer, profiteering? Yes. Uh, I'm not I don't be the be the proprietor of this, but there have been multiple reports, Matt Wallace and a few others who have stated that uh, he's the owner has donated a quarter of a million dollars and a donor. So nope. why are Democrats donating to Nikki Haley? Your guess is as good as mine. I mean, you could run wild with that. So that's very interesting. Well, yeah, awesome, wonder, Brian. Thank you so much for work. Do you have any other questions uh, directed uh, at us? Uh, well, first of all, I just want to say you you personally gave me the courage uh, to do this. Um, you had mentioned uh, a couple times to stand up. And as I'm right before, I remember you mentioned how nervous you were doing it. And I was nervous. There was a Secret Service guy right there and a police officer. <laughs> so I'm like, I hope this goes well. But um, I guess just wanted to go over that and... Uh, question is, with the recent escalations with Nikki Haley now saying that um, she recently said that in order to prevent war, we have to now attack and go at Iran. So smart. Uh, what do you yeah, yeah, it's just like fucking for virginity, you know? And the more you have sex, the more you're, you're a virgin, right? Right, Seamus? Uh, something like that. I mean, it's crazy. She also had this comment, no one wants new wars. Then why do they keep happening? Who keeps starting them? Nobody wants to do it? Okay, Nikki? <laughs> they fall from the sky. Yeah, it's just yeah, happened. Just imma immaculate inception. I think yeah, that's what's like, that's, that's, well, that's what it's actually called there. that's not what that's called. You're misusing the term. You're misapplying your <laughs> theological I, I terminology. Think, I think immaculate I, conception I, refers to Mary being conceived without original sin, not Jesus being. But uh, I'm saying these wars, without, these wars are con, con, you know oh. conceived. They, these wars are miraculous. Yes, yeah, they yeah, come from nowhere. Yeah, yeah something like that. Brian, uh, thank you so much thank for, you, for taking action. Thank you so much for being a member of LukeUnfiltered.com. We got people in the members chat saying that you're based as fuck. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much for everything. Thank you for being a member. Really appreciate you. Have a great night. Thanks Chris, for calling in. Chris yeah. Tank also wants to call in and ask us a question, as, of course, we're going to go to him now. And, yeah, Nikki Haley saying she wants no new words. Yeah, fucking right. She's been calling for wars her whole freaking life. Say nobody wants. At least acknowledge that some people do want some. Yeah, new yeah, war. yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of war hawks. There's a lot of neocons out there. There's a lot of bloodthirsty individuals that have sold their soul that don't have any children, like Lindsey Graham, that are just foaming at the mouth right now, probably pleasuring themselves at the larger possibility of more bombs being dropped on human beings. That's the reality of the world. We're going to Chris Tank right now, uh, as, of course, we wait to exchange encryption keys with him on Telegram. That Again, anyone sexual. could become a member on LukeUnfilter.com, and you guys get to ask us whatever questions you want. Chris, how are you? Everyone seeing you right now. What is your question for everyone here in the room? Hey, I'm feeling great. Brian's bass is fuck. Uh, I was just wondering, like, how can we, like, organize, like, a Taylor Swift protest? Because... <laughs> Honestly, after like the news, I feel like she's more part of the military industrial complex now than Nikki Haley. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Very good question. As of course, it was uh, Taylor Swift that actually did endorse uh, Joe Biden during the last presidential election. There's a lot of talk uh, about her today. Uh, there was a lot of talk about her from the Pentagon Psychological uh, Operation Unit that uh, mentioned her when it comes to doing some of their uh, operations as well a couple weeks ago. And she is someone who is extremely popular and the system will be using as a way to, of course, push some of their most unpopular agendas through and... Uh, what gets more unpopular than Joe Biden and his build back better policies? On, but uh, 
But I think a lot of people who, who, <laughs> who support her don't even don't even care about politics. Um, I, I, I think a lot of people who like her because of, of the kind of system telling them to like her. And when you look at a lot of the most prominent, most powerful entertainers in our world, a lot of them usually have a lot of compromise on them. A lot of them usually just do the bidding of what they're told to do, whether it's John Cena or The Rock or any other kind of celebrity out there. They've done some really pathetic, weaselly stuff that uh, is absolutely shameful. And um, I think political endorsements are the least of the dirtiest things that they do, as, of course, there's still a lot that we don't know about. But, uh, uh, yeah, Seamus really likes her. He, li he listens to her Listen, album the whole time he's here. The whole time Seamus is here, by the way. It's, she's it's a just nonstop. Artist. She's a talented artist. And just oh, because I don't no. agree with her politics doesn't mean I can't like her music, Luke. Yeah, uh, it's, Luke, I think, nope, I think no lie detected. It's just nonstop Taylor's nonstop Taylor Swift happening. Um, Dude, it's better than your, it's, better, it's better than your Euro trash techno. Listen, you're, I'm listening you're to American music. Oh, I'm listening to some Canadian American music. Yeah. And Luke, it's like the music that SpongeBob was listening to when he's dancing with the jellyfish. It's like I'm it's good music, bro. It's good music. Taylor, you get me. Well, keep in mind too, it's trouble, it's it's, trouble, it's a woman trouble. in it's a woman in her thirties who who doesn't have kids, isn't married. Uh, you can she, leave her alone. You can leave her alone now. That's not what I meant. That you just means there's a huge there's a huge demographic of women and girls that no. look up to that because that's what they aspire to. And if Taylor is to get married Clint's to Travis or someone and then to have babies, that could be very inspirational for a lot well, of women to start having families. It's like it's really weird to me that you guys are throwing out all of these uh, ugly descriptions for girl boss. But T-Swift is a girl boss. And if you're intimidated by that, boys, I'm sorry. You're just insecure. Now, don't be too defensive. Look, I just I, don't like all of the anti-Taylor rhetoric. That's all. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's not specifically about Taylor Swift. It's about which celebrity right now has a, the largest amount of influence. So boycotting Taylor Swift is just going to be a distraction. It's not going to be bringing people to the actual problem. This could That's be right. used to actually like focus the direction on who's right. using and manipulating the entertainment industry for... <laughs> psyops on the american people i yeah, totally taylor, taylor agree swift is, is a puppet taylor swift. taylor swift is a puppet like joe biden but protesting her would get a lot of attention it wouldn't uh, do any good as, as some people are saying that she has been an activated uh info war bomb dropped on the american people that is going to be used to galvanize all the tweens and all the young people <laughs> in this country in order to vote for joe biden uh, phil labonte made a tweet and all the guys like seamus too Phil Labonte made a tweet earlier. I didn't hear that. Say that again. I said, and all the guys like Seamus too. Support Taylor Listen, Taylor Swift's an incredible, talented artist. I and if you guys can't see that, you're not going to make me feel bad for having eyes. Um, Phil Labonte tweeted out earlier, he, you know, platinum, multi gold record album, platinum musician, whatever. Failed musician. Yeah, yeah, failed musician, least singer of All That Remains. And he was like, you know, if you conservatives want to win the culture war, you got to stop shitting on things that are popular when they're popular. It's the cringiest shit in the world. Like, just let her be a good musician. That's right. Thank but you. But I think, like you were saying, Stephanie, to redirect the focus onto who's controlling the media machine to use this woman to propagate messages is the key in protesting that kind of thing. And another way to protest is to be a better musician than her. So use your skill to, to the penultimate. When you have Lucifer <laughs> controlling the music industry, yeah. there's no way that you could beat out her. So Seamus, a confirmed exactly. supporter of the Luciferian, devil-worshipping no, Taylor Swift and smeared. her demonic music meant to rob the soul and innocent smeared. of human beings. As I'm of being course, smeared. Yeah, hold hey, on. Hey, I have you're to, to You're that. supporting hey, the 
demon, the demon, satanic, pedophile, Hollywood entertainment music industry. Seamus is a slander. And whoreness, where 30 year old women who are not married are literally out there whoring themselves to vaccinated males. Vaccinated males who, of course, do big pharma advertisements. All right, so now that that childish temper tantrum You're is wrong. over, let You're me wrong. just explain something. The reason Taylor Swift is part of Hollywood is even though, yes, it is run by evil people, she's just so cute that they couldn't say no to her, mm -hmm. even though she wouldn't get on board with the conspiracy and she's never done anything wrong. She's okay and doesn't have a butt. She's, she's a, a great sweetie. Songwriter. She's a sweetie, sweetie, yeah. sweetie pie. <laughs> and they let her into Hollywood because she's so sweet and there's no other agenda there and you guys should stop thinking about it. I want the best for her. I think she just appeals to like middle-aged women and older women who grew up with her, so they're going to listen to anything she says and, and affirmation. And that's, you know, I can understand why. Chris, thank you so yeah. much for calling in and spurring on this very interesting conversation. Hey, uh, make sure you do a spoon count. Make sure you count your spoons. <laughs> got it. After, got it. Yeah, uh, yeah, like after this conversation, I probably will. Taylor, Chris, can you please tell them I didn't do hey, it? You all have a great night, though. See you, Chris. Chris, it's awesome to have callers like you. Thank you so much for calling in and, and uh, being a part of the conversation. Really awesome. Thank you so much for also being a member of LukeUnfiltered.com. Have a great night. Really appreciate that. It's really cool just to see some of these faces and to have people finally backing me up against Shamer yeah, over here know. who has just, no shame at I all. I'm going to be honest. I just, don't think, I just don't think it's cool to like punch down, punch down on Taylor Swift. Why? I think that it's really... Look, I just think Dude, she's, she's like a young a woman. She doesn't have female... <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't have. She's I think, a Nephilim. She doesn't she's a, have. She's she's a Clint Nephilim. <laughs> she doesn't. Right. The thing is, yeah. Can you imagine Taylor seven two? But she has. She doesn't have the male privilege that everyone here has. And when when men see a, Dude, a woman you, being a successful girl boss, they they get upset about it. You're so, talking privilege, Shamer. Yeah, Taylor Swift just does not have the privilege, and so you're punching down on her. Oh my god, bro. dude. What? Who I, the fuck are you? I got I'm I, just I'm just dropping facts. Taylor I, Swift is an enemy of the free people in this world and what she is doing <laughs> is evil, demonic, satanic, and she is the one that's going to bring up the end of times are you gonna check out by voting for Joe Biden and making all of her followers who don't know what's going on politically vote for the antichrist and literally end this world many times over. Maybe that's why source on that. Maybe really maybe don't. that's why that's why Clint likes her. I'll go further. I think Taylor Swift might be the Antichrist. That's how oh fucking terrible God. she is. She might be the next president of the United States. I think that's also... Oh, we're going to so. get so much hate so. mail for this silly little rant. That yeah, we you guys, little... you need to leave her alone. Seamus is, is a Swifty, and he's, play, he, he's playing the crowd here. He, he knows. I, I, hey, I got I to gotta change I, the subject. Please. You. Into please whatever do. that thing is you wanted to talk about. Yeah, no, no, no. We got another We got another rumble rant by an individual gone fall saying, quote, I feel like there is a negative force versus a positive force. I have experienced a building existence, not existing and existing. I do have a witness, probably CERN, and parallel worlds meshing together. Ian, this seems like a question directed at you. What the Mandela fuck? effect. That's what it's called. It's known as the Mandela effect when things start coming out of different realities because all these realities are merging simultaneously. It's a theory out there. Why is it? Why does that happen? I mean, they're speculating why it happens, but the speculation is that all the different parallel dimensions are mixing and merging yeah, into one path. Effect. So the way that yeah. we think and how we perceive and what we vote with our dollars and the energy and what we do will affect the inevitable outcome of which trajectory we are 
all on. That's- so I actually call this the Swift effect because there's a lyric in her song, and so- some people think it's she wears short shorts, I wear t-shirts, and others think it's she wears short skirts, I wear t-shirts. And so I hypothesize that dimensions have merged, and she's clearly an incredibly talented artist in all dimensions, so it makes sense that she would have different we're gonna, versions. We're going gonna, to gonna, gonna determine this debate right now. If you are a Seamus Swifty, press number one press in the one. chat right now. If you are someone who's against demons, she's energy vampires, and people, people have been people working with the Pentagon Psychological Operation Unit in order to destroy Western civilization. Press I'm two. gonna say this. Look, Press I don't agree. I, I don't. I don't. I, I'll just be clear. I don't agree with all Taylor Swift's actions. I was, but when she when she endorsed Joe Biden, I didn't go ah that. I knew it. I went. My heart's broken because I love you. Yeah. And when my heart's broke, because I I L Y. So there was a super chat earlier on uh, from the start of this conversation. Lots of twos coming in, by the way. Just 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 for the record, mm-hmm. uh, here on the chat room, lots of twos. Yeah, I'm well, not, when, I'm, when I'm not seeing a lot room, of ones here. When Luke's in the room, all the twos come flooding. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even, you didn't even know what that meant, but you know it's an insult. You're like, all the, the twos, bitch, all the twos weird flooding. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I, you know. Yeah, what was the thing that we were going to ask Seamus about? The thing, the yeah, ca- what's, the what's, Catholic thing, or was it? Press the button. Yeah, what is that? Fiducius um, supplicants. Yeah. So, what, is, what does that so mean? Th- like, is, like break, break us down. So what they're what they're talking about is a document that was released by the um, Vatican's. Uh, Dicastery uh, for the doctrine of faith right today. He doesn't I'm have making, any idea what he's talking you're about. You're right. I have no idea what I'm talking about. If, if Taylor Swift sang a song about it, I would know. But basically, basically, what it says no. is that if if no. a no, let me actually explain. What can you guys just let me talk? Oh my gosh, you talked so much. It's true, but you guys started putting me on the spot and asking me about about this and I, I have to answer because a super chatter wanted me to. Taylor Swift sucks. So Taylor Swift is great. So basically the uh, the Vatican issued a document just outlining guidelines for when a same sex couple comes to a priest and says, hey, can I have a blessing? And what the document says is you have to make clear that you are blessing them as individual people and you are not blessing their union and you're not trying to convey that this is a marriage or on the same level as marriage because two men can't be married and two women can't be married. Marriage only exists between a man and a woman. Now, what people did is they ran with this document. They said, oh, a Vatican document on same-sex blessings. What the Pope is saying is that priests should bless same-sex marriages when literally the document says the exact opposite. And Pope Francis even came out and the Vatican issued clarification saying this document does not say that you are blessing same-sex unions. It literally says that when a same-sex couple asks for a blessing, you have to make clear that you're giving the blessing to them as individuals and not to their union, and you're not doing anything in that blessing that makes it look like a marriage ceremony or anything like that. Now, that is not to say there's no reason to be disturbed by this document or its implications, because it's clear that what's going to end up happening is liberal priests are going to use this as the go-ahead for saying, of course we can bless same-sex couples, and of course we can bless their unions, and the media spin on it, and the sensationalist uh, view of it is actually aiding that that heretical and liberal element with in the church to do that it- because if you if you read the document it literally explicitly says that they are not married people. You cannot bless the union. You are only blessing the individual people, and you have to make it really clear in that blessing that you're not calling it a marriage or saying it's good. Is it a new document? Yeah, this was just issued. This oh, was issued a few weeks ago. Okay. Oh, so I keep thinking about marriage because I think there's mm-hmm. th- it's the same word to explain two different things. You've got the the business contract, which mm-hmm. is called a marriage, and then you've got the spiritual union, the mixing. You know who's of souls. not married, Seamus? Hmm. Taylor, Taylor Swift. Not yet. So there's a chance. 
Like tra- <laughs> I knew chance. I knew that's what this was all about. You, you need you need <laughs> to have significant amount of spike proteins going through your blood in order to be approved by the corporate media empires it's that are truly crazy. pulling her strings. I don't know, man. The fact that you think I can't fix her is shocking to me. Well, I, I do believe women could be fixed, mm-hmm. but uh, exactly. you know. I'd like to see Taylor Swift fixed. She, she knows. Look, listen. She, and she, 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 she knows it herself. She said, "Boys only want love if it's torture." Don't say I didn't say I didn't warn you. So bro, understand you really that she's stuff. ready. Bro, you know? you, I appreciate. Did you just do that right now? Uh, that's right. I mean, look at I'm a big Swifty. Everyone knows. <laughs> you know. I and when and when and when when I go back when I go back to the the castle. You know, me and HCB we jam out to T Swift. Hardcore. Both of our favorite artists. And if yeah, anyone in that house up. criticizes T Swift in front of us, we go turn off. Turn up a little bit. We Her go name's off. Hannah. We go. Her name's Hannah. <laughs> How dare you? Okay. How oh how come Hannah. it's Hannah. Hannah? How come Atlas bites on that? Is that she in the shot right now? Atlas does what she Atlas is, pleases because Atlas is a good Atlas girl. Is a good, well, I know she good, chews good. down on it. She just like hugs it and ro- kind of rolls back and forth on it. Is that like a comfort thing that dogs do? I guess so. In other news, yeah. What's the what, what else? <laughs> Step one wants us to cover this. California bill would mandate all new cars have device to automatically limit speed to ten miles per hour over the limit. They want to remove your ability to drive quickly. No, that's great. That's great. That's great because because now. Seamus could drive and play his Swifty songs uh, and be able to no. enjoy them fully. I'm gonna be late he, to the concert. As he's driving around, yeah, that's really I'm bad. I'm gonna be late to the concert. How am I you gonna get the there concert? if I can't go? Those are situations where you need to go super fast for a moment that's to right. bypass a problem. The, that would be a severe threat to safety to to limit those things to a certain speed. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying you should. I'm just saying there are times when. For whatever reason, treat, something happens. You need to you need to kick it for a few seconds up to eighty eight, and then back down. I, That's I, a good I point. Totally yeah. disagree with this move. Or if there's an emergency, a hundred percent. Yeah, you're absolutely correct. It's a, it's an insane thing to do. It's an insane thing to do. And you wonder about the kind of the computerization of all of these cars in the fact that they could just end up putting kill switches in them, so that if you're in a police chase or something, they can just you turn your car off. I don't I, like that. I automatically think of Michael Hastings. Uh, after you just mentioned, he's going like 100 miles an hour down Wilshire Boulevard or something. In LA. Lots of coincidences surrounding his d- mysterious death, as of course he was exposing a lot of um, the Pentagon and intelligence agencies working together lying. Is this the journalist whose car, like, there weren't any skid marks, so it didn't make sense that I, I know what you're talking about this was about 10 years ago, right? Yep, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep. That was a major I, story. I very vaguely remember the story. What do you think about this California thing, Steph? Yeah, what do you think about Taylor Swift stuff? What? No, come on. Let's change the subject already. But it's Switch up to you. When, camera, he, when he baits you, you've got to just ignore it and <laughs> do the other thing because he'll keep I'm baiting you. I'm surprised he knows so many lyrics of that like poison. It's like brainwash. Well, it's because 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 all I do is I sit That's at fired. home and I listen. I I just listen to her lyrics over and over again I because I think it's brilliant. I sit at home and I allow myself to get brainwashed. It's over not and over. that. It's just that like I appreciate her because some people do that with Bob Dylan. They're like, I want to hear everything. Is and I'm like, her lyrics are so <laughs> profound. I just need to listen over and over and over again. Uh, this this is going to be a lady that's going to, of course, according to the Daily Mail, shift the election and help Joe Biden get elected. I don't elect- want her to do that, and that really disappoints me. Taylor, don't do it. I think- Taylor, as your number one fan, as the leader of your fan club, you can't do this. I- you can't do this to us, Taylor. I, I saw Tim. You can't do it. Tim Pool <laughs> tweeted out um, about this, and I didn't really follow up on what it was, but it was like the Daily Mail intimated that she got... I don't know how many percent of people to vote a certain way, but it turned out it was just like they only polled like 1,500 people. Taylor, I'm and just... It, it was like 8,500 voters. If you sway this election to literally destroy this country, I am going to be... I can't stay mad at her. I really just can't stay mad at, at T-Swift, you know? Uh, 
I'm gonna be really mad, and I will never go to one of your concerts again. I will never, ever, of he's all the teams. He's, he's lying. lying. Yeah, he he's He'll be there. Still gonna support Bro, him. This man steals spoons, and he does you guys nothing just but go to you guys just Taylor Swift concerts. It's like you but, gotta pay for him somehow. You real know? talk. Who's your favorite musician? Um, so if you, this is actually a funny story. You want to talk about like my, one of my favorite bands. He's just going to uh, go, he's just going to get this long Taylor roundabout Swift. story and say Taylor Swift. It's, Thank it's, you. It's, uh, See? yeah, yeah. It's Taylor Swift. It's my favorite <laughs> musical <laughs> It's so fucking obvious what he's doing. Yeah, no, I, I, it's just like, there's never, and I've, I've, I've been on record multiple times. If you guys go through any of my public appearances, any podcast I've ever been on where people ask, what music do you like? Who's your favorite? I always say to who's your favorite time, rapper? Taylor Swift. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Because I because people don't know this, but she actually can rap. Apparently Ben Shapiro can rap. The reason I know, I should know she no. can rap is because anyone can. It doesn't require talent. I think it's important we talk about this because music can Rap's save the world. Rap's not even music. It's just mumbling. Well, Rapping. It, yeah, I don't know. There's that's, tone. I, that, that's... Kind of like I, I, I just think that's like really ignorant thing like, to say. If you I, talk like this, you're kind of singing. Your voice is going up and down. Oh, and you're Zuby making did some tone. a good job talking about how rap is cool in some ways. Yeah, Luke. Rap is, is I, I can't say. It. I'm going to get in trouble. I heard Luke earlier doing his impression of rap while he was recording a video. It was pretty good. It was honestly pretty solid. Did you release that? Yes. All right. Yes, I did. That's that's a video available for members of LukeFilter.com. I pretty much I pretty much made butt noises. <laughs> magic moment. Like, this is really I good. did rap. I, thought, I did rap. It's so crazy because I thought you were listening to the Taylor Swift album. This sounds so good. Hey, hey, I made I made a very convincing case, but I remember doing it and then like laughing at myself, like no way, I just fucking did that. It was but, listen, um, it was great, and I think you're a very talented guy. I, I might I might just do him. Uh, hey, everyone's doing it right now. Ben Shapiro is doing it right now. Yeah. I, Tom McDonald. Um, I, I, I I only listened to about fifteen seconds of that Ben Shapiro Tom McDonald's because that's that's the only like that's the only time interval that I could stand. Yeah, so listening to that, I was I'm like, just, this is this is too robotic. This is yeah, like too like, like this is too real. My name's Ben Shapiro, and I'm your hero. And if you mess with me, I'm actually I may or may not be working on a cartoon about this. Out for oh, speed, you a hero. Okay, gang. Here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. If you if you, if you think hip hop isn't music, <laughs> okay, gang. Let me let me have a conversation with you. Um, let me let me tell you, folks. You're gonna see a cartoon in the next couple of days, and it's gonna blow your mind. Oh. Can you give us a? It. Can you give it's us just a, a Taylor sneak peek? Swift. We all know what it's gonna be. <laughs> you guys are just gonna have to go over to Freedom Tunes and subscribe. That's all I'm saying. Freedomtunes.com. Freedomtunes.com. Go to YouTube.com/slash/FreedomTunes and subscribe. What are you gonna say, Stephanie? You about to add something real important. The Ch- change the camera. There you go. The worst political show.com. Thank you. Yeah, guys, check it out. You Gone know, Fall yeah. gave a two dollar Rumble rant saying, "Get Tim to rap." Oh uh, he goodness. only does. Uh, he only does. Uh, well, Coldplay love songs. Oh, I was and, singing those uh, yesterday. Yep. Yeah, yeah. He, he doesn't. He doesn't really Look do. At he the doesn't really stars. do rap. I'm gonna sing those again tonight. That's a good one. That actually inspired me to go outside and look at the stars while I was singing that song. I'm telling you, man, music is the way. It's true. You want to inspire. You want to ch- drastically change the system without destroying it. Change the tone. Mm. That's a, you know, it's a really good point. That's the, one of the things about music is you'll have you could have like a really catchy beat and a solid melody, and people don't actually think that they're giving assent to or paying any real attention to what the lyrics are. But great way to program people. That's what musicians have been doing in this country I just, for a very I just long time. Say, it's MK Ultra CIA propaganda. I just want to say that Taylor Swift is working for him. The bar, the bar for being a good guest on the best political show has has been set to a new low. <laughs> Seamus Coughlin, congratulations! You just fucking ruined the entire show. I was a good guest. <laughs> so, 
Tell us would more you, how why you, you love Taylor, Taylor Swift. Swift on this from one to a hundred. <laughs> like, do you dislike her? Do you find it neutral? Are I, you? I genuinely don't have an opinion. I'm, I'm happy mm-hmm. that she that she mm-hmm. makes music that makes uh, lonely women in their thirties feel good. That's it. I don't care. That's sick of you. We asked last <laughs> night. I think it was Zuby. who's was like, "Who's the most famous person on earth?" And I was like, "Donald Trump." But like Ooh. 20, 30 years ago, he said it would have been Michael Jordan or Michael Jackson. Talk, he brought up a musician. And Do you I was think like, it is Donald Beyonce, Trump? Beyonce, he said too. No. I think it's Trump. Pers- Trump is yeah. Cristiano Ronaldo. Yeah, Ronaldo, and Messi too. Really? Maybe, maybe Chris Christie. Chris Christie's <laughs> more. Like, <laughs> we're not talking about size. People who are talking about don't even know him. So, so entertainers, we got athletes and musicians. Like, yeah, uh, that's powerful. And honestly, that was a better time. I don't want fucking politicians to be the most known people on the planet, dude. I and technically, know. I guess Donald Trump's an entertainer, so he's kind of blends the. Yeah, that's true. He yeah. fired. Yeah, that's true. He was huge. He, he blends huge. the divide. He's such an interesting figure, but I think you're probably right. He probably is the most famous person in the world so, right now. What, what what's the solution to this marriage thing now? We we uh, Seamus marries Taylor Swift. And then Swift, you hear that? And then come on. Like, and then, the and then they there. lead don't a, endorse, a, a don't religious revolution. Biden. That's right. I don't go and, then, and then he changes her, and then uh, she uh, endorses Donald Trump. I'm going to go out on a limb and say, given that all five of us in this room aren't married, maybe we should not comment on how to fix the marriage yeah, crisis in America. Just fix yourself. Maybe, maybe we should all just go get married and then we'll figure it out. Uh, hmm. Maybe. No. Well, that's no. the thing. Marriage oh, is that's so too, much, Taylor, that's too much hard work. <laughs> Taylor, if you're listening, I'm right here. Because I think so. marriage, you've got the union of, of hey, the financial. Hey, her boyfriend did take the vaccine and the booster, so there's a shot. I didn't, yeah, exactly. There is a shot, and he took it. There's um, a shot, and uh, she's uh, definitely okay. not going to be able to reproduce, which is tragic. That is really My parents tragic. almost divorced once but then i was like mom just leave him you know and she was like i can't we have kids so like it was uh there's it's not just a contract that makes people stay together it's like having kids i think having kids it's not even having a house together like that's a big deal too but having kids together i think is like the ultimate union hey i'm married tell me more to my work here on the best political show.com, as of course, this was uh, a, a pretty uh, interesting conversation. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. We are at the two hour mark. Uh, I'll let you guys have closing comments about why Taylor Swift is so amazing and why you love her so much uh, at the end of this particular broadcast. But again, don't forget to subscribe here on the best political show.com. We're going to be returning this Wednesday, 6 p.m. Eastern, with Chaya Raichik of libs of tiktok here in studio with us talking about a lot of very interesting issues so definitely don't forget to tune into that subscribe click the notification button and sign up to lukeunfiltered.com as of course members get to call in and you could see me rap right now with the latest video that we just released for members of lukeunfiltered.com again this the rapping skills that i released top notch heater you don't i mean seamus listened to him and he was admit it but i was like this is really good. This is this is fire, fire yeah. shit, fire, uh, fire issue. We, we just got, got a quick yeah. super chat or uh, rubble rant rather. If you can, Ian or Luke, I made up some guitar riffs and shred to the song only ever wanted. Here's the link. Maybe show it to Tim. Oh, nice. Oh, his dude's trying to get you <laughs> get the music in front of Tim. I don't know if that's gonna work, but good try. Here, let's play it. Let's uh, this guy. I have an idea from one part of your song. When you go, this shit better kick ass, bro. Brother, he is now. Not bad. We need to fix this crap. We need to fix this crap. 
that play us out. Godfall, thank you so much. Yeah, Ian, where can people find you? And what do you, uh, one to 10, how much would, do you love Taylor Swift? I, I love Taylor Swift all the one way. One to 10. All the way to the top out of 10. I'm all, I'm over the top for Taylor Swift. She's the voice of God in her own way, as Taylor would do it, as we all are. Paragons of, we're, we're all avatars of the, of the one, the creator. So uh, uh, shouts out to Taylor Swift for doing it like she's doing it. And um, you can follow me on the internet at Ian Crossland. I really do appreciate everything Taylor Swift. <laughs> love song, cha- fucking rock my core. Maybe even misty-eyed it at points. And one of my friends covered it and made a kind of a parody of, of love song, Dave Days, who you should check out on YouTube. Fantastic musician. A very funny. I was like in 2007. One to ten, Seamus Coughlin. How much do you love Taylor it's just Swift? Such, it's just Swifty, such a con- Sw- Swifty boy? That's just such a confining question. You know, I just, I couldn't answer that. I don't agree with the framing. Uh, but <laughs> if you guys want to find my work, you can go to freedomtunes.com. You can become a member there. You become a member on Freedom Tunes. You're going to get a bunch of extra cartoons. All right. We got a bunch of them already up there. We're going to be uploading behind the scenes content, a behind the scenes podcast. You guys will also be supporting non woke content. We have a, a team here in America doing animation work as non-woke artists. That's what we're able to do because of the platform that we've built here. And if you want to keep that show running and you also want to see us continue to create content and expand out into television shows and ideally movies, become a member at freedomtunes.com. Hey, I want to say one more thing. I, the I'm worst never doing this show again. Show show. I'm never doing this show again. The, Guys, if you want, you want to win the culture the war, you want to win the culture war, you listen, you don't win the culture war just by looking into the camera and talking into a mic you have to make content my Ooh. team's making really awesome animation so if you guys want to support it so we can make movies and tv shows in the long run please do so don't listen to this man he knows nothing he knows nothing about a shape minds he knows nothing about a great all he does is criticize and hit his little buttons to belittle those who dare to dream of something outside of the myopic scope and his political commentary <laughs> i want to say um oh that sounds cool uh, i interviewed on my youtube channel I interviewed Tom Sauer. <laughs> oh yeah, brilliant. Oh yeah, yeah. He's, that really really that. Hold he's on. the he's the CEO and founder of Miramar. Oh, oh, did you get uh, it? Of Miramar House. So the yeah. criminal justice system. <laughs> that was cool. That was cool. That was cool. It's a, it's a little incentive to get you to go to my YouTube. Oh, I like bot voice. Did you do that robot voice? It is an incentive to go to my YouTube channel. Subscribe at Ian Crossland. See you next time. Oh. All right. Real I love. Cool. Uh, <laughs> I was just going to say that. Say the show. She's my hero. Uh, <laughs> this is the craziest ending to an episode ever. At Liberty Lockdown. If you want to support my work, please go to libertylockdown.locals.com. I moderated a presidential debate for the Libertarian Party in Georgia, and I ruined a man's political career, and it was absolutely fucking hilarious. And that will be released on libertylockdown.locals.com. If you want to check it out, all you got to do is become a supporter. God bless America. Just hit 120,000 followers and make sure that you sign up for the RSS wherever you get your podcast. Let's fucking go! <laughs> Do you guys remember in Emperor's New Groove and Angel and Devil are on Kronk's show? Older, and the, the devil's like, hold on, those are good points, but can you do this? And he starts doing like a handstand. And the angel's like, eh, he's got a point. <laughs> nah, I never saw it. And Dude, just, you gotta watch that movie. It's hysterical. You gotta watch Emperor's <laughs> New Group. Classic. Cool. Certified cool. hood classic. 10 out of 10. If you it. haven't seen that movie, you right. gotta check it out, ladies right. and gents. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's Have cool. a goodie. Stephanie?
All right. You can find me on Instagram at Steph We Are Change. If you click the link in bio and scroll down, you will find a playlist of real music. It's called Good Vibes Only. Enjoy. You're welcome. Fuck Taylor Swift. What did you just say?